interesting news. It's Blake and Darren's Spilling the Tea with Sandy. K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR. Good morning, Sandy. Hello. Hello, Blake. Happy Thursday. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah, what do you got to do this morning? So, you know, tis the season. Mm -hmm. Halloween is right around the corner. So Mm -hmm. the police department has issued an alert that part of Seafarer's Way will be closed, uh, will become one-way traffic on Halloween. Hold on, hold on. You need to use your spooky voice for this. Oh, I know. You're yeah, right. let's use the spooky voice for Halloween. <laughs> for this headline, come on. Which one's my spooky? The monster. Yeah, the monster. Oh, yeah, you have the those. will be closed. <laughs> traffic only. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. That's because yeah. of the haunted house down there. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's right. Yeah. So starting um, October the actually Thursday, October the twenty seventh, today at four p.m. That's today. Mm-hmm. That yeah. is today. <laughs> hey, welcome. Well, hello world. This whole month has gone by so quickly. I know. I was still thinking I've got another week. No, nope. oh, my goodness. This today, so yeah. yeah today. So avoid. Um, well, it's uh, it's nightmare on the waterfront, and they have a ten thousand square foot haunted house which opens tonight. Oh my at- god. At but you know what? Mm. We, we, we better get the news right here in the morning. This actually goes until November the 10th, and it's for the Georgetown Revitalization Project. Ah. Yeah. Because they're, they're finalizing that. So that's going to cause road closures and stuff as a result. Um, yeah, because that's a little bit too far down from where the haunted house is, actually. Okay. Anyway, folks, just be careful in the area. Um, there will be um, a lot of pedestrians over the next couple of days. The haunted mm-hmm. house opening up i'm super excited i'm gonna do a site visit today actually mm-hmm. um i was thinking about going last night but i was i was ready home and ready for bed but yes we will do a site visit so people can kind of see how awesome it's gonna be but you gotta go you gotta just what, go what time are you going i'm not sure yet i've got court again today so mm. i need to have a look at uh what time they'll break for lunch and stuff like that i would love to do a walkthrough so i don't know if, if, if you're are you if you're doing a walkthrough i'll do it with yeah, you yeah i'm gonna do i'm gonna do a walkthrough Okay. I'm not Okay. All right. Congratulations to this beautiful young lady. Her name is Emily Kelly. She is now the assistant director of sports programs. She has uh, recently gotten this job under the Ministry of Youth, Sports, mm-hmm. Culture, and Heritage. Um, give me one second here, Blake. Let me click my little radio link before I forget. And so this is a wonderful um, opportunity for her to bring all of her skill sets uh, to the table. So the department has said that they are really, really pleased to be welcoming um, Ms. Kelly to the team. She has a lot of skills that will enhance their community programs and assist in ongoing talent identification and development, according to the director of sports, Mr. Kurt Hyde. So very well, young lady, you've done very well. All right. Um, In other news this morning, I don't know if you guys saw the, the video, this is sort of regional news, of the hysterics that is happening um, in Jamaica. Did you guys see this video? No. Let's talk about this a little bit. So I don't know, some school teacher decided to have a devotional moment with some kids and then 200 kids fainted and passed out as a result of this devotion. Hmm? It's like, you know, you know, when we had the teacher here who was trying to do an exorcism or something on kids at yeah. Prospect Primary? Yeah. 
The I case we've never heard anything about since then. We don't know if this woman's the worst for government, if she's yeah. on extended leave. Like we know nothing because the government <laughs> yeah. 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 Was so right. secretive, right? So this is like this to the tenth degree, like the next level of madness. All right. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's pretty crazy. Congratulations to the government. They have extended the electricity assistance program until December. So um, if you've been benefiting from this program, you will know that everyone who is within a certain kilowattage um, is getting a discounted or a credit, I should say, towards their bill. Um, for most people, it's like $90 or more. Like I've actually seen it on some people's bills. Um, so yeah, so that will continue. And um, to, to December. Yeah. Yeah, but then what? That's pretty. That's pretty. Well, well, you know that that'll cover right. the, the, <laughs> the, the, the I mean, easy right height. Shouldn't they uh, <laughs> concentrate on regulating the cost instead of just uh, offering assistance? Because well, you know what, Blake, this is one of those things where it's not as easy as people think because the cost actually relates to the fuel factor, which yes. obviously is something that we import in. The majority of your bill is your fuel factor. It's not fuel's, what CNC is charging you. Fuel's gone down though. And so it's going to go back because OPEC just <laughs> so they're going to two right. billion barrels. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I, I get it. When it was seven dollars and something a gallon, it's not that anymore. It's, it's, no, and I mean we will see a reduction coming into December once the weather gets cooler and people are using less anyway. Um, but I think I think we have to be realistic about what the government can and can't do when it comes to fuel. And all of the alternative fuel options don't happen overnight, so that's not going to help you in December. Or even early next year, you know well, what I mean? We never start renewable energy. We never get to it. For the past 15 years, they should have been working on renewable energy mm -hmm. alternatives. And it, the, the pace at which we have been doing it simply hasn't happened. Free electricity so, for a year. Uh, sorry? Free electricity for a year. There we go. Yeah, but you know, you this say? is what I tell people. Be cautious of a government that tells you you're going to get something free because they're going to come back on the back end somewhere else and they've got to make up for that revenue or whatever. You know what I mean? So. I don't know. It's tough times um, all over the world. I mean, people in the UK are saying that, you know, they're very concerned about the winter months coming up because they're not going to be able to heat their places. And, you know, people are going to be dying because of it. And it's just crazy. The whole world is just like crazy. So just buckle up, try to hold on, snuggle up with each other to keep warm in cold places and, you know, jump in the ocean here in the Cayman Islands to cool down. All right. Good advice. <laughs> Good advice. What kind of advice is that? Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to a happier show. Yes. All right. Well, so um, I'm excited. What are you guys going for as Halloween this year? Uh, tired moms. It was myself. <laughs> as your mom? Oh, a you tired mom. mom? I said oh, a tired mom. I'm going as a tired mom. <laughs> yeah. Oh, as a, as a uh, tired dad. Yeah, dragging around. <laughs> yeah, I'll be dragging around a couple uh, sugar hyped up children that's right i feel like yeah. i should dress up as myself and, just, and um and for your audience yeah. too the dms uh, spook fest is happening saturday it's a free event at field of dreams and we'll be out there 11 to 2 with lots of candy for the kids and crafts and games and all kinds of stuff awesome so so bring g 11 to yeah. 2 yeah awesome sounds good all right we'll see Hi, you guys. Have headline. a fabulous day you bye. too bye bye I can't believe it's October the 27th. Like my brain was still thinking, oh, the month is still another week. The month end is still another week away. Look at that. Wake up, everybody. Let's get it this morning. Happy Thursday. Peppermint.
sorrel, ginger, beaver grass, or English. Get it ready. Your morning tea just got hotter. Ooh, honey child. On the cold hard truth, Bobo 89.1 and Cayman's number one talk show are bringing you morning talk like no one else. Monday Rewind, Impact Wednesdays, Caribbean Connections, and much more. Don't miss a beat with what's happening in the local community. Just keep sipping your tea. What a mess. Here's your host, live and direct from the Cayman Islands, Sandy Hill. I feel like I need to use my special effects this morning since Halloween is right around the corner. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Happy Thursday. Like I said, for some reason, I was thinking we had a little bit more time in the month. Um, So there is lots going on over the next couple of days for the kids. So take them out and make them enjoy the holidays. So um, I don't know if you guys are aware of this or not, but when you've got a six-year-old that starts to ask you some really hard questions, you know, at some point, you've got to just fess up. Questions like, does Santa really exist? Or is is that just a fat man wearing a suit? And I'm like, oh, man, she's figuring it out. What am I going to do? Well, at, at some point, you got to just say, yes, we've been hoodwinking you for five years, trying to get you to behave and pretend like there's some guy named Santa that will bring you presents when it's mommy and daddy that makes the sacrifices. Mm. So I said to her, she asked me this a couple of days ago in the car, and I said to her, um, can we get one more year out of Santa? <laughs> and she's I'm not I'm not quite so sure she fully understood what I was asking, but she said, okay. <laughs> I was like, just believe, let's believe. I said, I said to her what I was asking, but she said, okay. Sorry, I was just pulling my links here. I said, um, let's just believe for one more year. And then I can tell you the full story. She's like, okay. <laughs> oh, it helps a little bit. Uh, My Santa app has been very, very useful. I think I told you guys about this before, but there's an app that you can install on your phone. And he doesn't just do like Christmas related stuff. He actually will call about anything, brushing your teeth, going to bed early, and they have all these pre-recorded messages. Let me see if I can find one and show you what Santa has been up to. And so, um, it's a video call too, so she gets to see him. And I thought at some point she's going to recognize that Santa looks the same every single time and he says the exact same thing. So you have where you can call Santa, right? And then you have a parents-only section and you can actually like save the recordings and everything. Um, so you've got all kind of different settings in here. Uh, request a name. So he actually calls her by name and everything. It's pretty interesting. Let me see. 
So yeah, if I call him right now, do you guys hear Santa calling? All right, hold on. And then you answer the phone. And there's Hello Santa. Hello there! Merry Christmas! <laughs> mm-hmm. I remember you. You are Gianna, aren't you? <laughs> so my reindeers and I, Santa Claus, are oh. getting ready to leave for your house. And I'm noticing that you have been staying nice so far. <laughs> I want you to keep behaving well and always try your best. And then at this point, she'll say, yes, Santa. <laughs> it's pretty funny. But you've got uh, you've got different options that you can call uh, Santa for. So if the kids are not brushing their teeth and you need, you need them to brush their teeth, then you can select, like, what you want the message to be. Mm-hmm. You can personalize it. You get their name. You actually have a British Santa, for those of you from the UK who need Santa to have a British accent. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. It is really, really funny. So I figure, um, you know, sometimes I threaten her with the app if she's misbehaving. I'm like, do you want me to call Santa? No, 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 no. Oh my goodness. Don't call Santa. I'm like, okay. It works even in the middle of the summer. You want me to call Santa? Cause Christmas is like six months away. No, no, don't call Santa. This is it. Last year I've using that for behavioral control. Vernita, good morning. How are you feeling, my dear? Hope you're starting to feel better. Miss Melita's here. We've got Irvlin in the house. Alice Lizette uh, is here with us. Miss Olive, so good to see you. Um, Miss Olive was sharing such a heartwarming story with us yesterday about um, an elderly, I don't know if he's really elderly, but he seems to be a homeless person that you know they've been stopping by and helping um, to feed down on the waterfront somewhere. And he had disappeared. She didn't see him for a couple of days, I think it was. And they started to get really worried if something had happened to him. And they were out there. And um, just as they were talking about him and somebody was trying to get in their face about it, he showed up and he said, here I am. It's so nice when you can just do things um, to help other people. So super, super nice. Yeah. Miss Lizette says, can I, how can I get benefits from CUC? Where do I have to apply? So there is no application process. The deal with the electricity assistance program is if you use, um, let me see what the, what the criteria are. Um, anywhere from 101 kilowatt to 2000 kilowatts, as long as you fall within that range of usage consumption, you will automatically receive the discount on your bill. So you should have a look at your bill. And what they've tried to do is they've tried to narrow it down so that people who are using 2,000 plus kilowatts, those tend to be larger households, like, you know, 4,000 square feet or more, who can normally afford to pay. um, They can normally afford to pay. Sorry. They can normally, they can, you know, they can normally afford to pay. So government is really trying to do it based on, um, it's a need. Yeah. So 
I think most people have been very, very grateful for it. Listen, $90, $100, $105, every little bit helps, folks. Um, somebody said yesterday, well, why don't they just pay everybody's electricity bill? I think... Um, I think that... Sorry, uh, let me just see here. Uh, all right, so yes, I do think that um, the, mm -hmm. uh, all right. No, I was saying that I do think that people really have an unrealistic expectation of a lot of things. And, um, you know, you can't, you cannot expect your government. I, I don't know what kind of thought process and world we live in where you say that um, a government should just pay for everything. You understand the trickle-down effect of that type of thinking? And the fact that some of our people even think that way, to me, I find uh, kind of disturbing, actually, because it means that we are moving in the wrong direction when it comes to self-reliance. I don't need government to give me anything except create an environment where I can do what I got to do. I don't need government to pay my CUC bill. If I want to use my electricity from now until whatever and keep the AC on all day, I just need, yes, I need alternative options. So if I want to get solar panels, if I want to, you know, get an electric vehicle, um, you know, I want those things to be affordable and within my control. And I recognize that there are only certain things that an island the size of this little rock and our government can actually do. Oh, they should be giving us free electricity. When you get in something for free, I keep telling you, the cost, the true cost of freeness, oh my God, it is way more than you know. Stop begging freeness, y'all. Good morning, Miss Charlotte, joining us from Scotland this morning. So good to see you. Nothing in life. Y'all don't listen to Aunt Lottie or what? Aunt Lottie always said, there's nothing in life that's free, honey child. Everything comes with a cost. You know how she used to say it because we lived in the States? She's like, you see that sidewalk there? You know, she was not a woman that had any big time education or degrees, but she had a lot of common sense, which is woefully lacking in this day and age. But she used to say, you see that sidewalk right there? To walk on the sidewalk. If you spit on the sidewalk, you are paying for it. That's what she used to tell me. And I'm like, okay, well, don't spit on the sidewalk. <laughs> but her point was well taken. You pay for every single thing, one way or the other. Taxes, duties, fees, whatever you want to call it. You're going to pay for it. The government has to maintain itself. And that doesn't come for free. So you want free electricity? Who's going to pay for it? 
CUC is a for-profit company in case y'all didn't get the message. They're not going to be giving it to you for free. So the suggestion is, oh, government should cover your bill for free? Hmm. That's, that's super interesting. Why would you think that government should be picking up all of your bills? And then who's going to be paying government's bills? Would you like to have, this is a question. Let's ask, put the question out there. Would you like to have free CUC bill and start to pay taxes in this country? Like the government can say, oh yeah, we'll, we'll pay your bill for you. No problem. But we're going to start taxing you. What, what percentage should we start at? In the UK, yep, you get free medical care with NHS. And I see how well that's working out for y'all. You have NHS that is, um, take you months to get an appointment for a simple appointment to the point where people are dying for a toothache. People are in the, the hospital rooms or in the hallway of a hospital waiting for days trying to get a little surgical procedure, but it's free. Denny, good morning. How are you? Uh, this is an interesting topic. Mm-hmm. Because even if the government were to implement taxes to spread out the cost of so-called free electricity, mm-hmm. you know what would happen? They would have to keep raising the tax rate because mm-hmm. the expectation of freeness would continue to rise. Of course. Until the until the true cost of freeness collapses the economy. Mm-hmm. You know why? Mm-hmm. You, 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 do you know why people leave high tax jurisdictions and come to Cayman Islands to do business? Mm-hmm. Because the taxes are reduced. Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And when they pick up, leave Cayman and go somewhere else, because the taxes are now ridiculous, because people who don't understand, there is no such thing as free. Mm-hmm. What are they going to say then? Yep. Let me restate it a different way because what what we just dis- discussed there is said all the time. So nothing new to people who don't understand. But let's put it in different terms. The people who want something for free, do you think that they would work free? <laughs> or, or, or do you believe that they would right. expect to be paid? Uh-huh. So so let me let me put it this way. What if I hire someone to deliver mail from, by walking, mm-hmm. putting, putting the mail in a ground basket, putting the basket across your shoulder, mm-hmm. and walking from East End Cotton Town with the mail, okay? Mm-hmm. That's your job. Now, the question would be, how much do you think the people who want the electricity for free mm-hmm. want to be paid to do, to walk mail from Stan to Baden Town? Mm-hmm. How much do you think they would want to be paid mm-hmm. on? Mm-hmm. Because you see, this this example is shows how people don't understand what electricity is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Electricity is not something that is created 
-hmm. means something that is converted. Right. In other words, you have one form of energy that you convert to a different form of energy. Mm -hmm. So you take fossil fuel, you uh, turn a, a motor, which is mechanical energy, mm -hmm. and that gets converted into electrical energy. But but what exactly is electricity? Mm -hmm. Electricity is not more than the flow of electrons in the material, in the wires that run from the power company to your house. Okay? And so if you think of the, the fuel that you put into C's generator as the person who's walking the mail from East End to Bodentown, mm -hmm. you ask yourself this question, what happens if you stop walking the mail from East End to Bodentown? Mm-hmm. In other words, what happens if there's no diesel in the tanks to turn the generators? If there's no diesel, there is no electricity. Mm -hmm. so, so the question is, who should pay for the cost of extracting the, the petroleum from the ground, build, spending billions of dollars in infrastructure to refine it, mm -hmm transportation to get it to the distribution networks mm -hmm. uh, the the cost of um of the fuel itself at the, the end of the chain which is the retail w what would that be free so who who pays to ex to extract it from the ground is that free All right is it refined for free is it retailed for free mm -hmm. so how do you expect the the final product of all of that uh, research development. Uh, but like you um, said, people have no idea. They don't understand huh, huh. what goes into it. So, so, so uh, this just baffles me because it is that kind of mentality that will drive this country right through the ground. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It is. It, it, it is, but, but unfortunately, instead of politicians telling people the truth you're full of BS and the cold they, hard they, truth, what they yes. do, what they do is they accommodate them. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, now, now, don't get me wrong. I understand that there are people, mm -hmm. for a variety of legitimate reasons, mm -hmm. who are in need. Yes. Okay. I yeah. understand that. Yes. That makes sense. Yes. And it's right to help those people. And here's the thing. Which is. Once again, people who are in need refuse to do anything within their power to reduce their own reliance on electricity. It, it's the same thing with um, people who are at the $6 minimum wage. Their solution is. Just raise the minimum wage. I have never heard a single person who's making $6 an hour saying, I'm going to better my position in life. I'm going to get an education. I'm going to get a little certificate. I'm going to go get a trade. I'm going to become an electrician. I'm going to become a plumber and make way more than $6 an hour. They never think about what do I need to do to change my position? They only think, what does the government need to do to change my position? 
Yeah. Well, well. It's it's a if, way of thinking he, if, that's very very. Well, the difference between people who make significant amounts of money and people who don't is the is the mindset. And so there are some people who want to live a lifestyle mm-hmm. without appreciating what it takes to live the lifestyle. Right. And then there are those who appreciate it. What they do is they position themselves so that they have multiple sources of income so that they can support the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And so what so you you can make money only out of one of two ways. You can either work for the money or you can have your money work for you. Now, the ideal, most people uh, will have employment, make money, invest that money, have that money grow. That money begins to work for them more and more. Uh-huh. And over time, if they things wisely, be disciplined, uh, then they're in a position where, you know, they can retire and money can cover all their expenses and live the lifestyle, a decent lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And, but, but, that, but that's not something that you do um, accidentally. You have to understand why it's beneficial for you to be disciplined and make certain decisions and not follow friends doing certain other things. Right. So that, so that you're wasting your money yeah. and that and that you are building wealth. Mm-hmm. Now, some people say, well, you know, I can't afford to buy shares in CUC, so I can't make um, investment income. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't have to have shares in CUC to start with. Mm-hmm. It would be nice if you could have shares in CUC, but let me give you an example of how you could build wealth if you're a person with little means mm-hmm. you can you can let's say you can have a couple of mango trees and you can sell those mangoes at the farmer's market and you can save the money and then you can take that money and let's say you decide you want to either grow more plants mm-hmm. and increase the volume or you can expand by saying well, can I can I raise two goats mm-hmm. or a couple of pigs? And when they're mature, you sell them to the supermarket, mm-hmm. you save that money, and you just keep accumulating until you can get more money and do other things. Just repeat the process. Mm-hmm. Rinse and repeat, right? And over time, you find yourself with a decent amount of money. But if, but if you just sit around saying, you know what, um, the government should take care of me. Mm. That is very corrosive to the environment mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. somebody has to pay for it. You and I have mm-hmm. to pay for it. The businesses have to pay for it. Absolutely. Let me give you an example of how how doing things wrong leads to others suffering. You see how you have people who do uh, criminal behavior uh, in financially. And so now we have to have all of this compliance in the banking system to 
avoid people doing wrong things with money? Well, if you look on your statement, you'll see a compliance fee. And you're thinking to yourself, well, I go to church all of my life. I've never done anything wrong to end up in the court and never been to prison, but I'm paying this fee. The, the reason why you're paying this fee is because some idiot out there thinks it's a good idea to misuse systems to commit crimes. And so now they have to take a position where they're trying to catch criminals. And, and that has a cost. Mm -hmm. Catching criminals costs money because what it means to catch a criminal is that someone has to physically do it. And that right. person has to be paid. Yeah. Right? Now, I, th I happen to think there's a better way of dealing with that. Than, but I won't get into it now. But I'm just saying uh, the, the point that I'm trying to get across, though, mm -hmm. is that I wish that politicians would be more upfront with people mm -hmm. and stop worrying about re-election mm -hmm. because ultimately it's going to cost all of us yes. if that kind of ignorant thinking continues. Yes. Thank you, Denny. Leave me there. Take care. All right. Um, I couldn't agree yeah. more with the general principles uh, that Denny, you know, uh, is supportive of this morning. It's the exact same thing that I'm always saying. And, and the, the sad thing about it is sometimes, and I think that there are certain programs, I don't like free lunches for kids. I don't have any issues with that. You know, I think that that's a good idea because we need children who are, um, you know, well-fed um, or at least fed. Let me not say well-fed because some of y'all parents still complaining that your oversized, fat, obese children are not getting enough food because their plate isn't filled to the brim. You can't make people happy no matter what you do, believe me. And, uh, you know, I don't have any problems with that type of program. But you have to understand that that program actually is really free. Somebody's going to pay for it. The money has to come from somewhere. Where do you think government gets money from? Government doesn't print money. It does, but it doesn't print it in the sense that it can just print it to pay its own bills. It comes from somewhere. So people pay for that. And even the poor right? People who rely on NAU, they sit down and they think, they erroneously believe that they're not contributing, that they don't pay. You're crazy if you believe that because it simply isn't true. We all pay, some more than others. So I've had a couple of complaints this week about NAU. One person said, you know, this mother is only receiving 200 and I think it was like $230 for three kids and herself. And I said to the person, um, I'm curious to know what exactly is her situation? $220 for food vouchers every two weeks. And they said the prices in fosters have increased tremendously. Shouldn't NAU put it play to change the amount they provide for families knowing the prices have increased? Where do y'all think NAU gets money from? I'm just curious. <laughs> Do you think it just comes out of a, a drop out of the sky? Yes, inflation is real and it's also real for the government. The government has to pay for goods and services just like you and I. So their operational costs have also increased. 
The government has everything from gardening services to, you know, I mean, listen, no one is getting a free ride. And that includes governments around the world. And the Cayman Islands government is no different. So is $220 for food vouchers every two weeks something that you can survive on for a single mother of three? So I said to the person, I think NAU and the government needs to do a better job of explaining to the people how this process works. NAU isn't meant to be a permanent solution for your financial woes. And it's not meant to give you a blank check to go to Foster's and buy any and everything that you want. When you're in a situation where you're relying on the government for assistance, you need to pull back significantly. Now, I don't know how old these three children are, but if they are of school age, they're getting one free meal a day. And this is what I said to the person. When you go to the grocery store and you are on a budget, which you should be if you don't have any income coming in and using somebody else's money and they've limited the amount of money that you can get, there are certain things that you're going to have to prioritize. You can't buy the steak and the this and that. You need to go for the cheaper cuts of meat. You need to buy the big packs of whatever it is you can get and ration that. You take your packs of chicken, you cut it up, you do some of it for curry chicken, some for stew chicken, get your chicken backs. Now, y'all know I don't eat chicken back. There's certain parts of a chicken I simply don't eat. I don't eat chicken back and I don't eat chicken foot and gizzards and all this kind of stuff. But guess what? When you're poor, you don't get the luxury of having to pick, choose, and refuse. You do what you have to do. And I've been there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I have been the poor person who didn't want to be eating a big extra large pizza in Tampa with five other poor students. But that's what you did in that moment to make ends meet. As my aunt always said, a belly full is a belly full, no matter what you're filling it with. So I just feel like sometimes we just walk in this space of completely being oblivious to the realities of the world. So here's a story that came out in the UK talking about seven in 10 NHS trusts in England failing to hit cancer referrals targets, right? So everybody's like free healthcare, that's the way to go. The supposedly the referral period is supposed to be two weeks or so they claim. That's the maximum waiting time for a hospital appointment for suspected cancer, two weeks from the day the hospital receives a referral letter from a GP. However, in at least 93% of patients, and trust me, 93% is a lot, patients should have been seen within 14 days, but that is not happening. They're not reaching those targets. And this data is coming from August of 2019 to August of 2020. And it's showing that the target is routinely being missed, which puts patients at a greater risk of poor outcomes. I think that when you pay attention and you read things that are happening elsewhere in the world, you get a better reality check on the situation. And folks, getting a reality check on the situation is really, really important. When you see that there are people struggling with housing, struggling with inflation, 
in the United States of America with all of their first world resources. There are still homeless people. There are still people starving to death every single day. There are people who are relying on the charity of nonprofit organizations to try to keep their soup kitchen open and open. And even the soup kitchens are struggling. They're talking about, you know, the rising in costs for them because they have to buy food to be able to make the soup or the little chicken dish or whatever it is that they are serving. And more and more and more and more, it is becoming so much more difficult for even NPOs to survive. And when everybody else is tightening their belt, the first people to suffer are the nonprofits. So instead of sitting down, wishing that this government could find a solution to give you everything in life for free, you need to start asking yourself, what can you do to improve your situation? And I have to tell you, the second this person said to me, oh, this mother of three, my first question is, why the hell does she have three children as a single woman? Where's the father? Fathers and is most likely the case. Right? As women, we're entertaining deadbeat men in our lives who can just drop a child with you and have no degree of responsibility. He came to you broke and he left broke and went on to another woman. He has no job prospects, nothing to offer your, your children. And yet you thought it was a great idea to have children with him. Another situation, a poor mom is helping out. She said, you know, that mother, I forget how many children she got, another three or four. And uh, she took them in temporarily. But she's like, you know, they can't stay with me because I've got my three or four kids and I need to find somewhere to put them. And I had to say to her, um, she's a Honduran lady. So I said, okay, why is she in NAU again? Remind me. Now, NAU is finally pressuring her that you got to get a job. You can't be in NAU forever. And they want her to prove that she's actually applying for jobs. Oh, well, she went out and applied for five jobs. Honey child, if you've only applied for five jobs in the past five years that you've been unemployed, something's wrong. You should be applying for 10, 15, 20 jobs every single week if you need to. What exactly it is, is it that you are doing if you are unemployed? This person said this morning that Denny was right on point. They asked him what did he have to drink because he was making sense today. <laughs> oh my gosh, this, this mentality of freeness is really, really going to destroy this country. What did um, uh, Mr. Kennedy say? Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Stop looking for handouts, folks. Good morning, Jonathan. Mr. Dean says, what is worse, socialism and un or unregulated capitalism? Listen to me. Everything in life requires some degree of balance, right? I'm hearing all these crazy stories about landlords who are completely out of control. I believe, unfortunately, because of the lack of control in that area, the government has to step in. There has to be some regulation. Now these landlords are asking you for your marriage certificate. Did y'all see that one? They want you to prove that you're married. When they say, oh, couples, that's crazy. They're asking you for your bank. Somebody sent me the link this morning for another one in EK, where they're asking you to provide 
your bank details. My bank information is none of your business. Here, this one cozy apartment in Baden Town. And they would like $850 CI, light water and gas included, security deposit, same as rent. You need a job letter, ID, proof of local bank account required along with completed application form. Well, I guess proof of an account, okay. You get a letter saying I have a bank account. No pets allowed. Not accepting any NEU clients. But more and more, these people are requesting things that should not be considered reasonable. Oh, we need to have your marriage certificate. What the hell do you need that for? So, Dean, I don't think it's a worst case scenario, socialism versus capitalism versus whatever ism you want to throw out there. I think that the God's honest truth is we need balance. Government has to be honest about what they can and can't do, what solutions they can offer. You saw, you saw what happened to the UK the other day. After 44 days, Liz Truss had to step down because her budget plan just, you know, it's not going to meet the needs of the people. We have no idea if the new guy, who, by the way, can't relate to any of us. He's a, he's a billionaire. He married into a billionaire family. So maybe he has millionaire status. Everybody's like, he might have the best ideas in the world, but can he even relate to the average person? Probably not. Now, does he need to relate to the average person in order to come up with initiatives and solutions to help people? In the U.S., it's the same thing. We're headed into recession next year. The president of the United States of America and his team are trying to all figure it out. Did I play this recession video? Let me play a couple of videos. This is what the premier had to say about the CUC um, re electricity relief program. So Sandy, Sandra, I saw your question. She says it's mostly for rich people with big homes and big businesses. The government is a set of scammers. Our homes are too small to get that benefit. Actually, it's not. I want to make sure that we're operating with facts when we talk about certain things. The benefit is for people who utilize 101 kilowatt up to 2000. That includes something like 80 something percent of the average households here in the Cayman Islands. It excludes businesses because unfortunately, if you want a business, you better find a way to pay for your CUC bill. And it excludes anyone who uses more than 2000 kilowatt hours. Those tend to be people who have larger homes. One of the things that as Caymanians we have done for far too long is we have overbuilt and no one ever said to us, stop overbuilding because in the future, that home is going to cost you more than you realize. And one of the costs, your footprint is your electricity bill. So you've got a 4,000 square foot house, good for you. But with that comes normally two or three AC units to cool different areas and quadrants of that house. You're going to have an increase now in your insurance premiums. The value of the home just went up, which you're happy with. You're always happy to take the good stuff. Ooh, my value just went up another 25%. But with that comes an increase in what it's going to cover, what it's going to cost for you to now cover that home by way of insurance. Construction costs are up. Heaven forbid we have a hurricane that destroys your home. What will be 
Or how will it be replaced through insurance? It's going to cost more to build the same home that you built 5, 10, 15, 25 years ago. Let's see what the uh, premier had to say about the electricity assistance program. October 26, 2022, the Cayman Islands government has announced a three-month extension of the electricity assistance program until December 2022, designed to help residents manage during this period of unusually high fuel costs. Initially announced in June 2022, the program gave households a government subsidy applied directly to their electricity bills, reducing what customers had to pay to their utility company. This program helped more than 22,000 households across the three islands. Around the world, the soaring cost of living is being driven in part by the cost of fuel and the resulting cost of energy. Here at home, our government is committed to helping our people get through these tough, challenging times by helping to lower your electricity costs by a direct subsidy to your bill. This will help blunt the impact of the sharp increases in utility bills for individuals and families across our three islands. Although fuel costs are expected to plateau in the coming winter months, fuel costs remain relatively high when compared to a year ago. For example, at 24 cents per kilowatt hour, CUC's October fuel cost estimate is double what it was in January of this year. This means that even though consumption should be going down because it is cooler, bills may remain relatively high for most households. The extended program will continue to provide assistance to over 80% of the residential customers of CUC and Cayman Rack Power and Light over the next three months. As a government, we understand how hard these times are for families, senior citizens, and the young adults. And we will not make excuses or say that nothing can be done. That is why we've been working diligently since May last year to put in place more than a dozen initiatives to lower direct costs and help people protect their income as we brace ourselves to get through the economic challenges that will continue to face us for the foreseeable future. Yes, things are tough and people are feeling financial stress. But if we each do our part and we work together, we can get through these tough times. Despite the challenges, we have a strong and growing economy and we are a fiscally responsible government. PACT is here to help and we put people first. To learn more about how government is containing costs for individuals and families across the Cayman Islands, visit gov.ky forward slash cost dash off dash living. All right, folks, um, today is Premier Access Thursday. We do have the Premier in the studio and we understand that unfortunately he's he's always crunched for time, but let's go ahead and bring him in um, this morning so that your questions can get answered. 936-BOBO is the telephone number. Good morning, Premier Panton. Good morning, Sandra. And um, good morning to all of your listeners, whether in Cayman or outside of Cayman. Good morning to our wonderful Cayman Islands. Yeah, so um, we see that the government has just extended the government assistance program. We understand the logic in terms of 
of why that is being done. I was just addressing this morning that for some people that just isn't enough. They want everything to be free. They want the government to provide free electricity. Um, when, when government, I mean, you, you work with the budgets, you know, and you see the, the numbers, uh, when government provides something for free, um, what's the true cost of it and who's actually paying for it? Well, I mean, it's, um, it's a question of what's appropriate and what is fair across the board. Um, if we were to provide free free, um, electricity, first of all, it would probably, um, break the, the, the country eventually. But um, the, the reality is that you have some people who consume a little bit and some people who consume a lot. And the reality is the bigger the, bigger the house is, um, the more expensive the house is, the more likely they are to consume a lot of electricity. So why mm-hmm. should the, why should poorer people um, have to subsidize um, the electricity consumption of richer people with bigger houses, mm-hmm. you know. So the system and the, the initiative that we have put in place is one which um, very efficiently and fairly assists um, as many people as possible without, um, without running the risk of, of, of helping people and, and giving uh, assistance to people who do not need it. Now, is there going to be a little bit of an overlap? Yes. We've come up with this system of 101 kilowatt hours per month to 2,000 kilowatt hours per month um, as the parameters through which people can um, um, benefit. CUC customers as well as Cayman Brack power and light customers can benefit. Um, and those are designed, those parameters are designed to capture the largest group of, of um customers that are most likely to need assistance. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, those that are consuming more than 2,000 kilowatt hours, on average, are not likely to, to need it. Um, and of course, with, a, with an upper limit of 2,000 kilowatt hours per, per month, um, that is, that's a range that will help to um, encourage people to sort of conserve electricity um, and consume consume less electricity on average, and that will reduce their, their cost. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's designed to help. It's designed to encourage. Um, it's just designed to support our, the majority of our people who are, are, who are likely to need support over a period of time in which consumption is high um, and costs are, are high. We all know that the, the cost of living has been very significant um since well it's gone up quite significantly since the start of the um the ukraine war um it has been rising um prior to that and this is an issue that we we have to be cognizant of um and we must address the to the extent that we can we have uh, a situation where people's mortgages are going up significantly because Inflation is high generally around the world, and the um, you know the the countries like the U.S. Federal Reserve um, they are increasing rates to try to tamp down demand to try to control inflation. The effect of that is it it ends up pushing our interest rates up, um, our loan rates up, and 
then people have to, you know, people have to spend more money on their mortgage because most, you know, the vast majority of mortgages in Cayman are adjustable rate mortgages. Mm-hmm. So these are, you know, you're getting all these multiple impacts. The cost of everything is going up. The cost of, of um, energy is going up. And because of the impacts of, of um, inflation and the actions of governments um, and, you know, mo- those who are, who are in charge of monetary policy um, in different parts of the world, and particularly the U.S., um, their actions to try to control inflation and try to lower those costs that we're all suffering from are also having uh, a major impact on, on the costs of our, you know, the average homeowner who has a mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave says, I believe no country can properly function without some form of tax because tax uh, level the play field somewhat to provide healthcare, infrastructure, security, affordable housing and investment in future technology with young people being considered um, as the future. All expats working here can pay a 5% tax and do away with health insurance from private companies and tax these businesses too. But no Cayman is so scared of tax because the so-called rich white folks will run away from Cayman leaving and then they got cut off. So the interesting thing about this concept of taxation um, which I find so interesting. I've lived, I was talking earlier about how my aunt always used to say to me in her, you know, just common sense wisdom that everything in life has a cost. So she's like, you walk on the sidewalk, you pay for that in the United States of America, right? And likewise, she used to say to me, you see the eagle and that bill? That's because money flies. <laughs> and you've got to find a way to um, know how to save it and to be smarter with your money. But the truth of the matter is, um, when it comes to taxes, is at a very rudimentary level, we all think that maybe that's the solution. And yet we see countries who have a tax system and many tax systems who are in, in fact, no better position than we are. And sometimes they're in a worse position. And, you know, you talk about, oh, the rich paying the taxes. It's never normally the rich who end up paying the taxes because they have the resources and the wherewithal to figure out how to have financial advisors, lawyers, and everybody else. Um, to work around whatever tax system you have in place. So I hate to tell you, William, but the reality is that the vast majority of people who are paying the taxes are not the super rich. It is the people who will fall into the middle class who have to have that additional burden of taxation. That's that's unfortunately um, more true than not. Um, You know, there is no perfect um, system of, earning revenue for um, governments to help support the country and to provide the, the infrastructure and the security and, and, and um, the various services that those who are more vulnerable may need. There's just no, no perfect way of doing it. Um, and Cayman has for its, you know, most of its existence um, done it through indirect um, taxes. Now there, we all understand that there are issues with that too, because there, you know, that is in many respects um, regressive, as well. Meaning it, it impacts those on the lower end of the um, of the income um, ladder more than those on the upper end. So we have to put in place um, measures to try to mitigate those impacts, um, and just as you do with any 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 system. Is going to have a pro, the pros and cons, and you try to you try to mitigate the 
the cons in relation to that, the, you know, the negative side of things. Um, so, you know, that's one of the reasons we're, we're putting, uh, we have put this place, this, this um, electricity support program in place, electricity cost support program in place over the summer. Um, you'll record, uh, you'll remember that we, we, we were doing this for um, July, August and September. Um, and because of the projections for the, the fuel, um, fuel costs increasing um, or certainly not going down, we've decided to extend it all the way until the end of December. Um, and I think this is going to help a very significant number of, of our consumers. And the way we have done this is it is very efficient. It is very fair. Um, as I said before, is it, going to, is it going to make sure that every single person that may need assistance um, gets it? Probably not. We will, we will miss some on the edges. Um, but anything that is assisting over 80% of the CUC customer base and the Cayman Rack Power and Light customer base is reaching um, the vast majority of people are going to need assistance mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and of course this is in this is on top of the the various things that we have been doing since last year um and you'll recall that we we started with the free school lunches and, and breakfast program um inclusive of snacks for primary school students and then then we went to high school students um we've reduced costs in relation to to um seniors um, we lowered duty on certain food items. We've removed duty in relation to feminine and baby products. Um, we have provided um, grants to, um, we've increased this, the scholarships um, from 25,000 to 35,000. We've provided grants in relation to increased um, A-level scholarships. Um, we provided things like um, support for scholarship recipients to, to travel to get their, their visas. Um, all of these things that, you know, have been um, eating away, chipping away at um, the incomes of, of people and creating difficulties. We have been trying to address these through a variety of, of, of programs, but you can't provide the government cannot and is not in a position to address every single issue and address every concern that um, people in the country may have. We are we're doing our best in the most fiscally responsible way. Um, that means if if we're doing the best we can within um, the bounds of fiscal responsibility, it means that we don't have to think um, going forward about um, increasing taxes, for example, um, and taking, um, you know, which, which in itself is, a, is an increased cost um, to, you know, to our people. So if we, can, if we can live within our own means based on the income that we have, based on the, um, the various um, um, income tax, not income tax, but um, uh, consumption tax um, parameters that we have, then we're, we're efficiently assisting people. Um, without having to, to be a bigger burden in the future on them. Mm -hmm. So we have a question here from Jonathan. Um, Jack Mack is asking about 
what you're doing to solve some of these problems. I think he just went through a list, Jack, that should assist you um, with that query. Jonathan says, I have a question for the premier. The government just said that they borrowed a billion dollars and they, and that they said it's already, it's done already. I don't, you guys borrowed a billion dollars. I don't remember hearing that, but okay. No. I would like it. I would I like know. an itemized list. Where is all the money gone? Um, I, know how the government currently gets their money and I don't think it's going out to the government benefit, working out to the government benefit because it takes way too long to pay that money back. So what has the what has this government borrowed? A billion dollars sounds yeah, like a lot of money. We have not borrowed anything like a billion dollars. Um, we, in fact, we have paid, we've been paying down um, the debt um, up until the end of the first quarter of this year. We had paid down the, the, the national debt to somewhere in the region of about $218 million. Um, you will recall that uh, the previous government had um, negotiated um, a facility which was mm -hmm. available, which would, be, which would have been available if the country needed it um, in order to weather the, um, you know, the, the impacts of, of COVID and the and and um, lockdown on the economy and on, on people and their and their incomes. Um, we decided to go ahead and borrow, sorry, draw down that, on that funding so that we had that available if we needed it. Mm -hmm. um, it was it was at a rate which obviously it was negotiated prior to the significant increases um, in borrowing that um you know that have occurred in the last 10 months or so and so it was it was relatively inexpensive funding um and we have taken steps to generate income from that funding so i think we're basically covering the cost of our borrowing and we may be even in a, a positive carry situation where we're earning a bit more than than the cost it's um you know the, the cost of borrowing. So our our borrowing has gone has gone back up. We've we've drawn down this three hundred and fifty million dollars. We have not spent that money. Um, we do not propose to spend that money um, at this point. It is an insurance policy. Um, it is a cheap insurance policy in the sense that we have you know as I said we've got the income to cover the cost of it, and mm -hmm. this is just in play, in case we. You know, it turns out that we do need it. We are certainly not um, out of the woods completely. Um, we have a lot of challenges, a lot of geopolitical risk, a lot of economic problems around the world. We we, we can see what's been happening in the United Kingdom um, because of the political uncertainty, because of um, some missteps that have been taken in relation to um, economic policy and, and fiscal policy, um, and they're also suffering from the same problems that other places in the world are suffering from in terms of increased costs mm -hmm. of living. And they have, they have increased significantly increased energy costs as well. Um, so all of these things represent to us risks that are risks to the Cayman economy as well. Having said that, um, the Cayman economy has been doing very well. We have, you know, since we've, we have um, taken the various steps to safely reopen um, our economy has been growing. Mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the last um, quarter figures for, was 
economic growth or GDP growth um, for Cayman. The first quarter's numbers for, of this year, so the first quarter of 2022, we have accelerated to 3.8% um, GDP growth. Mm -hmm. um, all of our labor force survey numbers indicate that unemployment has come down significantly. Um, I think right now it is around 5% um, for Caymanians and around 3.1% in general. Um, that tracks very closely to historically good numbers. Um, but obviously we recognize that there are still Caymanians who are unemployed. There are also Cayman Caymanians who are underemployed. So our challenge is to, to significantly try to reduce those numbers of Caymanians that are unemployed and to assist those Caymanians who are in jobs that um, they, they could be earning more money in relation to, um, you know, assist them in, in, in achieving that. So yes, we have borrowed money. Uh, it, it is nowhere near a billion dollars. It is only $350 million in terms of um, adding on. Uh, it is just the insurance policy that, um, you know, we wasn't, was, it's, was sitting there. Um, we decided to exercise it just out of an abundance of caution in case we needed it. And we're, we've covered the cost of it. It is not costing the, the, the country any money because we've taken the, those funds and invested those um, in ways that are sufficient to generate an income to pay the cost of the borrowing. So I think Jonathan must have misheard things because he said Chris Saunders didn't say that they had a billion dollar budget and it's done. Well, I don't know if he said that figuratively speaking or if he actually meant a billion dollars, but Jonathan, revisit. No, I, I, let, me, let me just say, I think I think where Jonathan is is um, perhaps getting a, um, a little um, confused is that the, the finance minister, um, Deputy Premier Saunders, has indicated in recent um, discussions with um, the chamber um, and otherwise that the country is um, at the point where we are likely to have a um, billion dollars in revenue in this, this financial year. That will be the first time in our history that we have hit a billion dollars in, in revenue in any particular financial year. Obviously, that is very significant, but equally, our costs have, have um, increased as well. So um, while the, the revenue numbers are great, um, the, the costs of government, the costs of pro providing services have increased. Um, we are projecting um, a surplus for the end of this year, mm -hmm. of which will be the first full year for this government's budget mm. um we're projecting a surplus of around 20 million 19 or 20 million dollars um that was the original budget projection um we are hopeful that it will be higher than that but um we'll see how that goes um but i think that's where the billion dollars comes from it's a billion dollars in revenue that we're likely to, to hit by the end of this year um but having, having good income is one thing. You've got to keep your costs under control as well um, in order to make sure that you get the benefit of that, that income. And we certainly, at a time when we have um, all these challenges that we're, we need to be able to support people 
And, I've, you know, this is something that's been going on since all of 2021 um, mm -hmm. and now into 20, you know, we're three quarters of the way through 2022. Um, the government has had significant costs. We've had, you know, we've had probably, I don't know the exact number, but I would say we've probably spent somewhere in the region of about 75 to $80 million on things like stipends alone, for example, over the last, um, you know, year and three quarter. Um, so all of these things are, you know, are important. The revenue is important, um, but we've got to make sure that we, we cut our, our cloth, um, um, so to, properly, so to speak, and we have, we've got to make sure that we act in a way which is fiscally responsible and leaves the country uh, financially sound and avoids the risk, importantly, of um, the country having to increase taxes down the road in order to, um, you know, to, to meet its, its costs and expenses of providing assistance and providing the necessary services to the people. Someone has sent in something. I was just looking through my messages for it on Monday, which I thought was very, very interesting. So they said the stipend was running the government $5.6 million per month. And um, that's almost equivalent to four months worth of electricity assistance. Um, so if, if people are trying to put this into perspective, and, uh, that's almost and caller, caller, I need um, you to so turn down your background noise there when you call in. And then they go they go on to say one program helps over 20,000 households uh, versus less than 4,000 individuals uh, where some of them were in the same household. And this is in relation to the tourism stipend that people are getting um, during the COVID pandemic and trying to, again, wean people off of that despite the fact that they, you know, <laughs> seem to want to have continued doing that. So put this in perspective, $5.6 million per month which is equivalent to four months of electricity assistance program, helping 4,000 people versus helping over 20,000 people. Um, so that was some of the comments that came in. Caller, good morning and welcome to the program. Uh, good morning, Sandy. Good morning, Premier. How are you today? Morning, good, good. How are you? I'm fine. Good morning to you. Uh, good, thanks. Well, first of all, Premier, I, 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 I know that you, you do miss uh, private practice, uh, although you do deal with a little bit of law in government. So what I want to do is I want to take you back to some, some legal issue which has been going on uh, for some time. Um, I want to be brief about this, but it's very, very important. One, there is a problem regarding complaints against judges in the Cayman Islands, and I think that needs to be addressed. Um, in 20, 2009 constitution, uh, there was a good system which was put in place, uh, which was basically that the Judicial and Legal Services Commission would handle complaints against judges. But in 2016, it was amended so that, for example, if you want to complain against a judge of the Grand Court, you went to the Chief Justice. And what happened basically once that happened, the whole system died. Okay. And then on top of that, uh, under section 10610 of the constitution, it says that there must be complaints or there must be rules that govern the, uh, the handling of complaints with respect to complaints against judges. Okay. The Judicial and Legal Services Commission had its rules, but those are no longer valid. So that there should have been new rules which should have been uh, promulgated from 2016. But for six years, there have been no rules which govern 
how you complain against judges. And uh, the Chief Justice, for all his accolades in leaving office, he, has, he never promulgated rules regarding that. And on top of that, they, there were no records being kept about how many complaints were being made, how many complaints were dismissed in a summary way, how many complaints were investigated, and even what the result is. And right now, I have an FOI request to say, can you give me that information? And basically, they have said they can tell me how many complaints, but they will not tell me the rest of the information. I think that's very opaque. So my first request to you, sir, is that there must be, uh, I think you should look into uh, these rules being promulgated. A lot of people, including myself, are waiting for this so that we can file some complaints. And secondly, there must be a revisiting, I'm asking you to consider revisiting the issue of complaining against judges. You see, in other Commonwealth countries, you'll be aware, Mr. Panton, they, the, the judiciary doesn't supervise itself with regards to complaints. They supervise day-to-day -day operations, but not in relation to complaints. In relation to complaints, you have to go to a different body because a different body will give a new perspective to it. And if you are unhappy with what that body has done, you can judicially review the decision. But if you go to the chief justice from the very beginning, and then you don't like the decision, you have nowhere to go. Actually, I have written to the, to the new chief justice. Yesterday, I wrote a letter to her to see if she can look at this. Mm -hmm. I am right now on my computer finalizing a letter to you to explain some of these issues. I think they need to be dealt with. Because at the end of the day, if there's no accountability with the judiciary, in my view, I think we are totally finished. Uh, let me close by saying one more thing. Mm -hmm. uh, a number of Caymanians have been um, prosecuted for breach of trust. There was a lady who I won't mention who used to work for legal. Her career is destroyed because they said, well, she committed something which was a breach of trust. There was a lady at vehicle licensing. She did something wrong. She's now in jail for breach of trust. I believe I have proved a case of breach of trust against a judge but I can, I'm not able to get the result I'm looking for because the complaint procedures don't work. I thank you. You will be getting your letter before the close of the day. Thanks very much for your attention. All right. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, Elaine's Closet, in relation to that, says, Lordy, the Honorable Premier shouldn't have to listen to some stuff, particularly when the court ruled on things already. So let's be very, very clear for anyone who's listening to the program. What are you, What's your remit or, um, you know, what can you do about the judiciary, if at anything at all? What powers do you have? Well, I mean, I, I um, we we have the Judicial Legal Services Commission in place, as um, the caller noted, um, and that that commission um, is supposed to. One, well, I think, one of its remits is to ensure that things are functioning well in relation to the judiciary. Um, so I'd, I'd be interested in getting his letter to see exactly what it is he's referring to and how he how he ties the, his arguments together in relation to that. But I'm sure that um, both the existing, sorry, the, the former Chief Justice, um, Sir Anthony Smelly, um, who was Chief Justice for the, the past 25 years um, and served this this country. Um, extremely well and, and honorably and, and did a fantastic job of improving 
the services of the judiciary in the country and the reputation of the country. Um, I think that the new Chief Justice um, as well will take things forward and try to make sure that there is an evolution and a further development of accountability for the judicial services um, and to improve the, the relationship between the consumers and the, those people who need to need the services of the, of the judiciary um, and the ju judiciary itself. I, I'm sure that um, there is th there was a, a full intention to ensure that there is accountability. Um, I understood that there was a, a, a complaints procedure and process in place. Um, I'd be interested in seeing exactly what the, the caller says um, happened in respect of that. I can't say that I'm, I'm familiar with that. Um, but I'm sure that, that um, the new Chief Justice will absolutely be looking at these issues as well and trying to address them to the extent that they're, you know, they need to be addressed. Because there's no, there's no question in my mind that mm -hmm. someone who is serving in the position of, of Chief Justice is going to take the position that they are um, aloof from um, and, and independent of you know, any, any potential criticism. In fact, mm -hmm. um, at the recent um, um, ceremony appointing the new Chief, Chief Justice, um, you know, Lady Chief Justice, um, um, that the, I think the, the former Chief Justice, and now former Chief Justice, Sir Anthony, mm -hmm. specifically noted, you know, that the, chief, the, the judiciary needs to be accountable mm -hmm. um, and there needs to be a, a process through which that can occur. So I want to say thank you very much to him for the incredible service that he has provided to this country over the last 25 years. And I want to say an immense congratulations to, um, you know, to our, our, new, um, our new lady, Chief Justice, um, um, Ms. Margaret um, Ramsey-Hale. Um, I think that she will do an excellent job. Um, I think she will continue to um, support um, the development of the of, of the judiciary and the, in this okay. country, the jurisprudence of this country, um, and she will she will make this country proud and build its rep, help to build its reputation um, to even greater heights. So, very very proud of her. Very proud of um, of her becoming the first female chief um, justice in mm -hmm. this in this country. Um, as as was noted at the time, it's sort of a double first for her because she was the first female chief justice for the Turks and Caicos as well. Yes. So very proud of her, very proud of um, the, you know, the work that um, Sir Anthony has done. And, and I think they're both deserving of, of our respect. Um, but equally, I'm interested in seeing, you know, how the caller articulates his arguments on the issue um, in his letter. All right, very good. We have a comment here from Blair Webb. He says, I'm glad to see funds being spread around for more people to benefit from rather than others saying that we need more cruise ships and big projects to do so. Thank you for thinking of us versus um, some. Uh, Sandra Coe says, stop importing these poverty-stricken people. And uh, Ms. Morna says, what needs to happen is that both parties need to come together and work together, together uh, to get this country up and running, but no, uh, two heads are better than one. If both sides come together, what a beautiful Cayman Islands that would be. The ship is bigger than we think. Um, 
I mean, I have noted on this program the absence of the opposition at a lot of events. I was surprised that none of them, not a single one, showed up to the swearing in of our new um, chief justice, which is, it's kind of a big deal because like I said to people, it might not happen for another 25 years or, you know what I mean? They've been, they've been absent a lot. And, um, you know, I'm sure um, being the uh, person that you are, you're probably not going to comment on their absence outside of them being absent in the parliament, which they were recently as well. But for those of you who were kind of curious of what, about what they've been up to, here's some video I received last night of them having a jolly good time singing and dancing at a local bar. Turn down the volume because I don't think y'all need to hear the poor attempts at singing. But anyway, <laughs> and trust me, I say that with all due respect because I can't sing to save my life. But there's our um, illustrious former um, premier and, um, you know, the person who is absent from a lot of official uh, functions and government events. But he's not he's not completely MIA. He was having a jolly good time last night at the local bar enjoying some karaoke. So um, Ms. Morna, maybe you need to direct your messages at them because there's a lot that the opposition can and should be doing, uh, although they are not in control of the government and they seem to miss that. They don't have to be in control of the government to make a difference in the lives of the people of the Cayman Islands. Trust me. In fact, sometimes I think the opposition is in an enviable position because there's a lot of burden that isn't on their shoulders and they have so much more time to do things other than dancing at the local bar and playing dominoes and whatever else. But I, I want to say, Sandra, that I, you know, I, I agree with, with her um, to a significant extent. I'm, I'm someone that has always tried to take a bipartisan approach to things. And um, interestingly, the, the leadership of the um, PPM previously chided me um, along the lines of, you'll learn because you know this isn't it isn't worth the effort to try to take a bipartisan approach um nevertheless we have continued to try to do that mm. um you know we have we have extended invitations to attend presentations on legislation and just as, a, as an example um the um minister for um innovation investment and social development um, Minister Andre Ebanks had extended, I think, about three times mm -hmm. an invitation to attend presentations in relation to the, the recent uh, financial assistance legislation that we passed in Parliament. Um, wow. And that was really a significant piece of legislation. We were improving the framework through which the, you know, the government was going to provide assistance, continue to provide assistance to people in the country who are most vulnerable and who need this. Um, they did not show up on either of the three occasions that um, that they were, that the invitation was extended. Wow. Um, so, so that was, you know, that was a little disappointing um, to see because we all serve um, Caymanians. We're all here representing, you know, different constituencies of Caymanians. But at the end of the day, as the government, we're here to represent everybody. 
as well. And our our role is to try to enlist um, the opposition in, um, you know, the, the, these types of discussions so that they have an understanding of really important um, approaches being taken to improving, um, you know, how we deliver these services to our mo most vulnerable. And it was really disappointing that they didn't show up. Um, so that needs to change. I, I hope it does change going forward. Um, you know, I don't. They, I don't mind them having fun and, and enjoying themselves and having um, a karaoke event. That's 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 not an issue at all. But when you are here to rep and you're paid to represent the people of the country, um, represent those constituents in particular that you have, um, you must show up to Parliament and you must show up um, when you know the, the government is saying, please come and participate, listen to what to what we have to do, say about what we're doing, and you can give us your thoughts. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, absolutely. I mean, you know, I'm not saying don't live your life and have a good time. I'm just saying that shouldn't be the only thing that you're doing on, on the dime of the people. Mm -hmm. uh, Ms. Beulah has a question. She says, will the CUC assistance be extended to the civil service pensioners also? It's, it doesn't exclude. Exactly. Anybody. That was That's the point of this of this program. And I want, I want to thank CUC as well. Um, and, and let me, let me um, put it in a, I, I should have really put it in a, in a broader context earlier. Um, and I'll get to that in a second, but um, it does not, it isn't limited to um, people of, uh, who are employed in certain areas, um, people who have certain jobs. Um, it covers all um, of the, potential people, customers of CUC that are within the parameters of the 101 kilowatt hours per month to 2000 kilowatt hours per month. Whether you're a civil servant, whether you're, you know, um, um, a bus driver, whether you are a plumber, um, whether you're an electrician, whether you're a lawyer, um, if you are within this range, you get the assistance. Now, obviously, we want to, we want to try to ensure that um, those people who are most likely to need it get the get the benefit but you know what if you are one of those people that still fall within that range and you decide that you don't need it you can be charitable you can give it find somebody else to give it to find a charitable cause to give it to um, if you don't want to, to accept it if you don't need it we have lots of ngos we have lots of charities in this country that are that, that are helping people and help helping to address different issues um, give it to them, pass it on. That's what I would say. Um, but I'm satisfied that the vast majority of people are getting the benefit from this. Now, what I was getting to, what I was alluding to earlier is the reality that um, Caribbean Utilities Company, um, CUC, um, has also um, been working with us. Um, first of all, they have agreed to do this program with us they have facilitated this um, where it is extremely efficient. It doesn't cost the government any money. It's not costing the people of the country any extra money to do this. Um, so I want to thank them for collaborating with us on that initiative. But also, um, you will have seen in, I think, a separate press release from CUC mm. that they have been working with, with our regulator, Offreg, um, to reduce, um, let's put it this way, they're going to cap the cost of, um, of um, 
the fuel factor, what's called the fuel factor, um, to 20 cents, right? So they were capping the cost to 20 cents at a time when it was actually going to be somewhere in the region of about um, 24 cents per kilowatt hour. Um, and or the fuel costs were gonna be in the region of 24 cents. And so we are, our contribution of five cents per kilowatt hour is taking it back down to 15 cents per kilowatt hour. So that for, the, for, for these three months, October, November, and December, um, our consumers are going to be paying um, a maximum, at least those within that range, and, and actually those outside of that range as well, I think, um, are going to be paying a, um, a maximum of 15 cents per kilowatt hour um, as the fuel cost. And um, we, we do have CUC actually in the in the back studio. We're going to pull them in. Um, I know the premiere again is a little bit crunched for time this morning. So once we're uh, finished with the premiere, we'll, we'll pull in Sasha Tibbetts, uh, Vice President of right. Customer Service, in, and he's going to fully explain exactly um, what CUC has been up to. So uh, that, is, that is an excellent, um, that's, that, that's a very clear um, and good indication of the extent to which um, CUC has worked with the government mm -hmm. and cares about the extent to which um, its customers, and from our perspective, our people in the country have to bear the costs, the extraordinary costs of of um, electricity um, at this point. Um, hopefully the fuel, the fuel costs start to stabilize and go down. Um, we believe that's going to be the case. But even at a time when you know it's getting cooler over October, November, December, um, and then the consumption typically goes down, um, the costs are going to be, we're going to be the same because of the increasing fuel factor costs. And we okay. know what the extent to which that is, you know, a significant component of the of the overall bill. So between government and CUC um, working together, we're making a real difference, I think, to um, people who are struggling with their their um, their electricity costs. the The capping, um, in which you will hear from from um, Mr. Tibbetts, mm -hmm. with probably a little bit greater clarity is going to be extended uh, over the, um, the cost of that will be extended over 2023. So um, it is not, CUC is not doing a grant, um, but they're foregoing um, certain costs right now and they're agreeing to, to delay the, the implementation of those costs um, um, over, over um, probably a 12 month period. So that it helps the country, it helps the the, the consumers um, manage these the, the difficult period that we're in right now with significant cost increases. Mm -hmm. So lots of um, lots of questions and comments coming across, folks. Uh, I know we have over three hundred people in the live, but we do have a caller on the phone. So caller, your question or comment this morning. Good morning, ma'am. Morning, dear. How are you? Good morning. I am well. Good. Good morning, Mr. Premier. Good morning, dear. Good morning. Good morning, sir. Um, um, about um, the legal side of things, mm -hmm. I have a friend mm -hmm. who um, is in a tussle with a lawyer, mm -hmm. and she feels like she's done being done wrong by mm -hmm. um, 
between the two of you um, in the studio there. Um, can you say where it is that this lady might have to go or could go to lodge a complaint about this lawyer? Within the judiciary what itself? Body? Um, at, at, caller, at the moment, um, the process would still be that, uh, as it has been for some time, that you'd have to, if, if for a complaint in relation to a lawyer, um, your best bet is to write to the Chief Justice mm -hmm. um, and outline the complaint, um, and then the Chief Justice can um, seek to address it um, by... Um, communicating with the with the particular attorney um, the the legal services act which was passed um, uh, when fully commenced will have a different mechanism um, for uh, investigations of complaints in relation to attorneys um, and there will be a, a, a disciplinary process um, if if there is um, if the complaint is found to have merit um, that um, will include the, uh, or might include the Chief Justice, um, but it will not be just the, the Chief Justice. Um, uh -huh. that, once that act is fully commenced, um, and the commencement of that sure. is in process at the moment. So, one, uh, one other point, real quick, I hear you press the time. Mr. Panther, you got skin in this game. That's why I'm saying, Mr. Panther, not only because you're premier, mm -hmm. but because you have skin in the state game. Mr. Panther, um, the, 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 the seafarers, mm -hmm. they close to my heart, the stepfather was one. Mm -hmm. um, I've been hawking every now and again for a, a holiday for them. I gave the, the information to about four people to, um, to when Mr. Alden was premier, to say, I'm um, talk to Alden about it. I know it's a good idea. And it's not just a good idea. Mm -hmm. It's an idea that it, it's high time we implement this this um, holiday we, for our seamen. I think, I believe, and many people believe that we should have a national holiday for mm -hmm. them. But you got skin in this game, sir. So I don't right. think Mr. McLaughlin did. Um, a national holiday for our seafarers. Well, graveyard, I want chapel, war museum, all them things. You know, my number is still number number, right? Yes, all those things cost money, child. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes, yes, Miss, 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 Mrs. Hill. But these are our seafarers. Mm -hmm. Well, you, you know, know you know, money. you know what I said the other day about what's also costing money is all these new wives that are getting benefits off the seafarers. So maybe if we can have a reduction there. Mr. Panther, I will ask you for holiday. Thank you very much, ma'am. You know, we, we certainly um, acknowledge and, and honor and respect our seafarers and those. And, and as you know, my father was, was one of them as well. Um, and I many of my relatives um, were as well. So I certainly understand the the desire, um, and we'll 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 keep it under or take it under consideration. Um, well, Mr. Panton, um, it, in relation to that, um, I understand that the cost of maintaining seafarers continues to increase, despite the fact that their numbers are decreasing. And one of the reasons that that's happening is the the um, beneficiary list 
is growing um, exponentially because they're picking up younger wives and younger children that might not even be for them. Is the government contemplating at all um, how to curtail that expense? And if there's some sort of a way to cut that off where, you know, maybe the benefit is, is only during the lifetime of the seafarer. And then once they have passed on the benefit ceases, or, you know, maybe you do tighten the category of beneficiaries a little bit so that a, a Maria come lately can't get the benefits of a seafarer who's worked his entire life. And now that he's in his eighties and nineties and might not be thinking straight and picked her out with a bag of children that all those people are not going to benefit for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, I certainly understand the, the concern there, um, both from, you know, the perspective of the, the families um, as well as from the cost of government perspective. Um, these things are not, not easy because people get married and people say, you know, I, this person and I, I want to make sure that they're taken care of as well. Um, uh-huh. And legally, you know, they, they can earn these benefits. Um, I think at the end of the day, we want to make sure that even if we're, even if the risk is, um, helping one person who perhaps um, some people might say shouldn't get assistance, provided that we're making sure that those who um, who do who should be getting it and who do need it um, are being attended to, then that may be that may be worth the, the, the cost. Um, but we certainly understand those those concerns. Um, and it is it is interesting that the you know that the costs have been going up rather than than going down in, in the sense that you know, we don't have um, people going to to sea and having careers as merchant seamen the way we did in in the um, mm-hmm. 40s, 50s, 60s, and into the 70s, probably into the early 80s as well. Well, uh, we do have a caller on the line. Uh, Loved Lopez says, good morning. Um, talk to things. Sandra came in, has so many holidays already. Miss Dorotha says, amen, yeah, Sandra. I mean, that, that is one of the challenges. Yeah, and as a business owner, you know, a lot of people don't think of what if the shoe's on the other foot. Business owners pay an immense price for every single holiday that you add on, where they have to pay all of their staff for that public holiday. So I caution people thinking that we need a public holiday every single month, which we almost have already. But anyway, Magdalene says, I agree with your suggestion, CMR. It needs to have some sort of a stop date for the seafarers' benefits. Good morning to Alejandro. Mr. Shalat, your turn. Good morning. Good morning, Ms. Sandra. How are you today? Not too bad. How you doing, honey? Thanks for uh, a little Good morning, Mr. Premier. How are you today? I'm good, sir. Good morning to you. I hope you're well. Uh, just a quick question. Um, with this CUC um, payments the government gave, is it only certain um, people that see you see have a list of names? Because from time it was started, you, you, Mr. Premier, you have been to my house more than once. Mm-hmm. And my house is very small. I only have one air condition in there. And I want to burn it in the afternoon, but I'm not seeing a decline. In fact, I'm seeing an increase. Right. And as so no babies in, in my home or anything, no children, it's just yeah. me and my wife. And I'm seeing an increase 
in in my light bill and I'm not doing no more than I usually do. So I was just wondering if CUC just has a special list of, of no. names or no, I they they do not have a special list. In fact, they, they have a list of their their only special list is their list of customers, uh, of residential customers. Um, now, we have the the way this this system works is they are just going by the parameters of those who consume those residential customers who consume between one hundred and one megawatts, sorry, <laughs> kilowatts per month, kilowatt hours per month and 2,000 kilowatt hours per month. You should be able to look at your bill um, caller and see whether you are consuming less or more than 2,000 kilowatt hours per month. If you're consuming more, no, sir. No, sir. then you won't see it. But you, you, may not no, be, you, you may not be recognizing it because it's, um, I was just trying to bring up my own um, utility bill. Um, it, it, it really, um, is it's easy to to see it if you know exactly what you're looking for um and if you look at the cost the breakdown of the cost of the of the bill you will see cig fuel subsidy um that is that is the the amount of the fuel subsidy that the government is kicking in um in order to assist now we have to recognize that um the, you may you may be getting the benefit of the subsidy but your bill may still have gone up, mm -hmm. right? And that's one of the reasons you're getting the subsidy. Because if you weren't getting the subsidy, your bill would have even been that much higher. On average, the government's contribution across the board is about 60, just over $66 um, for each, um, each customer per month. Um, so 66, sir. On average, so if your if your bill was somewhere if if you were if your consumption was somewhere around say fifteen hundred um, kilowatt hours um, per month, um, yeah, your benefit is is going to be. Um, I'm challenge my math right now, but um, your benefit is going to be at least at the five cents range. Your benefit is going to be 0 0.05 times 15. Oops. Um, well, we do that. have CUC coming up. So, uh, Mr. Shillette, can I suggest, because we do have... His benefit is going to be $75. Yeah, no, the honest thing with that, um, my, my late bill used to be, my late bill used to be like $115, $120. Mm -hmm. And now it's gone up to $189. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's that's not unusual for the circumstances that we're in with fuel the fuel factor costs going up and remember this is a straight pass through it's not money that see it's not a cost that cuc is charging anything for they're passing the costs on for fuel directly um and and um oops what's happening are we there yep thank you thank you um, thank you very much. Yes, we thank you, Mr. Shalat. We do have a few other people who were trying to call in as well. But uh, like I said, we do have CUC coming on um, in a little bit. And I know that Sasha actually has a meeting as well. So everybody's a bit contrived. Yeah, sorry, my, my screen went blank. For, oh, for no, we can still see you. Yeah. Um, so, 
right. So, so the cost, the bill may have gone up, but mm -hmm. it would have gone up even more had it not been for um, government's intervention, intervention right. um, over the over the summer months of of July, August, and September, mm -hmm. and for October, November, December, um, which you will see in your bills for um, November, December, and January, the, the bills when you receive them, um, you will see the benefit that the government has contributed as well as the capping that CUC has has done in relation to um, the overall fuel factor, capping it at 20, 20 cents per kilowatt hour for the fuel factor cost. And then the government is reducing, is, is, in, is contributing five cents per kilowatt hour in respect of the fuel cost. So you'll see those benefits um, in your November, December, and January bill, which is going to represent your October, November, and December consumption. Um, those bills are, are um, but it, they would have been that much higher if it wasn't for government. So you see taking the action. Hello, good morning. Good morning, caller. How are you? Fine, thanks. Can you start, Ms. Sanders? Yes, ma'am. You're live on air. Good. Yeah, good morning to you, um, uh, Mr. Premier, Mr. Hanson. Good morning, dear. I have a um, good morning. I have a query that we need to look into. Uh, I need you guys to look into. Mm -hmm. um, regarding my um, my son, I guess. I don't know how many more forms to it. Uh, my son, who is um, now a doctor trying to do his specialties, for the last, from March of, I think it was December last year, or March of this year, I know for sure. Mm -hmm. He got a contract from Miami, mm -hmm. accepted him in that program. Mm -hmm. I need to, uh, Mr. Pardon, if he can look into the um, contract because what they're, they're up until now, they're telling him that the they, um, education department is telling him that the contract is not, is like, it's not feasible. It's it's more than what the um, government um, subsidizes to its people. And we're trying to find out because they can't. They wouldn't even show us the contract or nothing. And right now he's still though he's struggling now to be able to get to specialize. I mean he's been doing this for the last three years and, and they've been just running round, round, round. So I'm asking Mr. Palin if he can look into it. His name is Ronaldo Goff. I don't really call his name Ronaldo Goff. And we're I I'm, I guess people hurt me over and over with this situation. But I mean today might be his day. Or, we don't know who's there or gonna be next one. We there are young Kimanians trying to come home to be a, or trying to be a doctor to come home to better his country. But mm -hmm. what, what's happening to them is a lot of men up overseas because they, they don't have anything to look forward for coming back to Kiman because they're not being treated fair. And we got all of these people that are coming in here, specializing, coming in with specialties and getting thousands and thousands of dollars a month. Mm -hmm. And yet we got our own Kimanians that can't even get an opportunity to even come home. To be one to come home, mm -hmm. I'm asking Mr. Pallon if you would please look into it, please, because we need to know where his next step. He he was told by the, by the education department that what he needs to do now, and they um, I'm not gonna call the name of the I think he's the chairman of the um, education board now, told him that what he must do he must go and find an institution, and he must make a he must make like a contract with them and come back in Cayman Islands government will. Pick up, like pick up the bill. You, me and you know that they're not gonna make a contract with an individual. They want an institution that is just gonna be liable, you know, to be able to say yes, you know, it's substantial and can mm -hmm. stand behind, you know, the expense. So 
So right now, that's his problem now. Trying to find someone that's going to accept Cayman government because the government is, isn't isn't doing things for him. Hmm. The education department put him out now. Last meeting that he had with them, they put him out now to find an institution and he must make the contract hmm. with, with the um, institution and then they will then pay the bill. But he, he don't get that. Nobody is going to pick that up. up until right. down, nobody Ms. Um, um, okay. Gwen, Ms. Gwen, can you just send me your contact details off air? Just as a little yes, reminder, what's up? And I'll pass that along and we can try to see what inquiries can be made. Yeah. Thank so, you I, um, first of all, uh, caller, I'd, I'd like to say that, you know, thank you for bringing that up. And, and we, and congratulations on your son being, um, you know, hardworking and, and dedicated to mm-hmm. becoming a, a, um, a doctor. Um, you know, we mm-hmm. celebrate all of our, our young Caymanians. Um, who are dedicated to themselves improving mm-hmm. their education and and um, ultimately hopefully coming back to contribute significantly to the country. Um, I am not sure that I understand fully what the issue is. Um, I understand broadly what you're saying, but um, if you know if you can pass on your contact details to Miss Sandra, um, she'll pass them on mm-hmm. to me and then. I can I can then interact with you separately offline, so I can get a full picture yes, of exactly what it is. Um, but yes, oh, I mean it, it is a normal approach that um, you know people will get will get training um, in different institutions overseas. Um, mm-hmm. Exactly how that is done and whether that's done with assistance locally, um, I can't tell you that I'm very familiar with that. All right, thank you so much, Miss Gwen. Okay, thank you very much for signing up, Mr. Thank you. Have a good day. Okay. All right, my dear. Thank you. All right. So lots of calls and questions. We're just getting ramped up, but unfortunately, the premier does have an engagement. So just read a few more. Um, Cameron says immigration reform is needed. Um, Cameron also says Mr. Phantom has a team for a reason. Why he has to come on to explain things in other people's ministry. <laughs> well, because he is... Uh, willing to do so. <laughs> so well ultimately I, I have responsibility for all ministries as well yes. um, but and and that's that's fine if I can't explain something if I don't under, if I don't have the information I'll be upfront and say I, I'd have to get that information and get back to them um, I, I will not have information on everything no matter no matter how good um, a person's memory is or how, how well briefed they are they're not going to have it, all the information that may be relevant at all times. But I think Cameron's point is it would be nice if we could hear more from your team members. Um, but Cameron does go on to say that, um, Mr. Panton, we always appreciate your dialogue with the public. Not an easy job. So please take it easy and make your appointees take up some of the slack. <laughs> so um, El Ray says, Mr. Premier, please don't entertain the idea of pumping two, $20 million into the Savma Beach Sea that sand will just be washed away and money wasted. And if you think it's absolutely has to be done, then the Marriott and condo owners in the affected area should be required to contribute a significant percentage um, towards the $2 million bill. Mm. Interesting. Miss Stephanie says, good morning. Yeah. Yeah. Stephanie says, good morning. Please put my question to him. I have a question for the premier. I'm a young Caymanian. I got damaged at Georgetown hospital in 2014 which made me lose the use of my right arm and I have health issues. I can't work. I reach out to several places and still no assistance. I have six kids. Whoa. 
And every day it's getting harder. I've never reached out to the government for help before, but I need it now. Wow, Stephanie, six kids, that's, yeah, that's a lot. Um, what would you suggest that she does? She should contact NAU to start well, there? Yeah, I mean, if she if she needs assistance, that is where she would start um, with the needs assessment unit. Um, mm -hmm. and, and they would then be able to uh, assess what she needs assistance with and how they can best assist. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and obviously, you know, it's, it, it is an unfortunate situation that she must have endured. Um, yes. but I would, I would, um, I'm surprised that with six children, she hasn't needed the assistance previously. Um, yeah, but, but anyway, um, absolutely have her get in touch with the needs assessment unit and they will be able to assist taking it from there. Yeah. That's a tough situation, folks. Listen, it's like the premier said, it's tough having six kids and being able to get up every day and work. That's a lot of expense and a lot of mouths yeah. to feed. Yeah. Cameron says, Sandy, why does the deputy premier not want to come on CMR to discuss finance and economics? Um, we'll send the question to him and um, I'm sure he, I'm sure he'll respond in some Somewhere or another. Mr. Roy, good morning. Saying it's beautiful weather. Um, we are pretty much out of time this morning. And the premier is looking back, trying to look out the window. He's like, oh, I'm it? looking at the weather. It is beautiful. So um, thank you guys so much. I think we had one more caller. So let's make one more connection on the phone lines. Remember, the phone lines are always open, folks. 936-2626 is the telephone number. You can always uh, give us a call. We're just returning a few calls. And by the way, fingers crossed. Hopefully, we'll have a toll-free number very, very soon. Hello. Hi, Colin. You can always Uh-oh. And by the way, fingers crossed, you gotta hopefully. Turn, you're going to turn it all down. There we go. Morning. Quick question or comment for the premier, please. Yeah, uh, just a quick comment. Uh, NAU has been mentioned several times. Mm -hmm. um, some, I, I think that something needs to be streamlined uh, with the uh, process. Uh, I have a cousin mm -hmm. who is illiterate and homeless, mm -hmm. and it took two years, two years for him to get um, uh, cash assistance. And I, I, I follow up online. I never get return calls. I, it's, it, it's, 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 it's very frustrating. And that's not just a K-Man thing. Mm -hmm. I, I don't care. I lived in New York most of my life. Dealing with any government agency is frustrating. Uh, weights, lines, attitudes, all that sort of stuff. But two years for a homeless person to receive assistance, that's tragic. Mm -hmm. I, totally, I totally agree um, yeah. if that is, in fact, the case. Um, but I, I suspect that, and oftentimes, you know, when comments and, and views like that are expressed, when, when we um, investigate by asking questions of, of the various departments, in particular people like the NAU, um, they're all very dedicated, hardworking people trying to serve the people of the country to the best of their ability. Um, typically, you find out that, um, you know, they've tried to assist, but it ha there was there was some, for some reason, there wasn't a follow-through um, on the other side. Um, I don't know what the situation would be in this case. I can't imagine that. Um, it would take two years to, to, to fully assess it. 
um, and, and to provide us. So if, if that's the case, if that's the case, then obviously that's even more reason why you know the the financial um, assistance bill that was recently passed um, to become the Financial Assistance Act provides a kind of um, groundbreaking reforms that we need to do in order to properly assist people. Because at the end of the day, we know that there are people in our country who um, will need assistance, and they are vulnerable, and you have to respect their human dignity, um, and you have to um, provide them with the kinds of services that are needed to have um, you know, a reasonable um, existence in, in, in this country. Uh, I, I guess, uh -huh. I, I, I guess what I'm saying is there should be some way of prioritizing. I mean, home, there's needing money and there's yeah. homelessness and destitute, you know, and there should be some sort of uh, protocol to yeah. deal with people that are in such critical need. I mean, he, I mean, literally at risk of dying. You got to look, got to look around on the streets to bring in food and to look at Scholars Park, look in the field. I mean, it's just to give him some uh, a beef patty. I mean, it's it's. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he's like a hundred and forty pounds. Uh, it's ridiculous. Yeah, but caller, is it? I mean, you know, oftentimes it is. It is the person who needs assistance. Um, but who doesn't necessarily want to cooperate fully? If you're saying that they're they're homeless, um, I just it it is hard for me to believe that the, the needs assessment unit would know that they're homeless and not try to to do something to assist. Um, oftentimes, you find that it is the person who needs the assistance who are not fully cooperating. Um, who, for example, prefers to go out. Um, not stay at home, well, not go uh, out and sleeps on the street. You um, have a very valid point. Um, he has some untreated mental health issues also, right. so it's not all any of you. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, um, it's like uh, just trying to get him ID uh, was a battle. You know, it's mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not all any of you, yeah. but. Uh, but untreated, uh, untreated addiction, untreated mental health issues, right. homelessness, and all of this comes mm -hmm. to—I don't know—I don't know what the answer is, mm -hmm. but something has to, something should be done. I, I don't know what the answer is. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it, it, it is um, it is a, a very challenging situation at times trying mm -hmm. to assist people with these difficulties. Um, and we we always have to reflect a level of empathy, um, a level of understanding, um, and try to do our best to enable you know dignity and and the, the respect for the person. Um, but but it, it is difficult. I mean, we have I have people who send me pictures of people who are sleeping on the streets. Um, we pass the information on. Um, they go over and they try to help. Um, sometimes you, there are people who just resist receiving help. Um, and I think that's probably one of the examples here now um, where you can't, you can't take away people's rights if they, and you can't lock them up, for example, if they're preferring to go out and sleep on the street. Um, you can't just lock them up unless you have a very good reason for doing it. And then you need to protect them from themselves. Yeah, sure them from other people um, or protect other people from them 
Mm. But yeah, it's it's a challenge, and I I really sympathize with with the caller and the, the perspective and the issues that are that are around um, this. There is a silver lining to the cloud. There is a silver lining to the cloud. As of yesterday, uh, he's getting the food assistance, and I'm told the cash assistance is less than a month away. So, yeah, all right, and he has a roof over his head. Okay, well, let's let's hope that he continues to to um, take advantage of that then. Yeah. Um, but thank you very much for calling and. Um, Yes. You know, if you want to take it offline, um, happy if you want to reach out and, and we can discuss it further. All right. Thanks very much, Carl. I appreciate uh, it. Thank you, Mr. Gomer. Thank you, sir. Take care. Have a good day. Okay, folks. Um, I don't know what he means by cash assistance because NAU doesn't normally do cash assistance. So there yeah, might be some vouchers. And, uh, in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. All right, folks. Um, unfortunately, that's all for the premiere this morning. I, I note all of your questions, everything from labor to immigration. Um, Iron Lion says, what's the plan for modernization of the Labor Act? So listen, two things I want to say. Obviously, the premier comes as much as he can. Uh, he's committed to every other Thursday morning now to come on the program to be, you know, have sort of a direct line of communication with all of you. Um, as you can see, every time he's here, the breadth of questions and calls and comments and stuff offline. Oh, let me not to forget to read this one because this lady's going to kill me if I don't read this one because she sent it in really early. She said, poverty is about not having enough money to meet her basic needs, including food, clothing, and shelter. Hundreds of Cayman Island pensioners who have dedicated their lives of service are now retiring into poverty, and it should be cause for alarm. Many parents and grandparents are barely scraping by on the meager monthly pension and seafarers benefit, if applicable, um, or insufficient means to provide for day-to-day living, ex- living essentials. Many are forced to work, to keep working, sorry, or return to the workforce after retirement age at the cost, as the cost of living soars. Others are physically and or mentally unable to work and earn additional funds. What will the PAC government do to ensure that each Caymanian pensioner remains or receives a minimum of nothing less than $3,000 per month to survive? That's actually quite well, a question. That, yeah, that is a, that is a broad question. Um, it's an important issue, though, um, and you know, if if the task was to ensure that everybody uh, who is retired is receiving three thousand a month, that is going to be an extremely expensive um, proposition for the the government to have to um, shoulder alone. This is why we need to have um, further pension reform. This is why it's important, for example, that while we recognize the challenges, the government has taken the position that we could not continue the pension holiday. Um, People have benefited very significantly from the pension. Both employers and employees have benefited from the pension holiday. Um, And it has helped, you know, at a time when it was extremely difficult. But as I've said, opportunities are growing. The, um, the, the, um, the, Country is doing well economically, financially, um, continues to improve. So this is, we need to be getting back um, to at least what, what, what is normal, recognizing though that we do have an issue with pension reform that needs to be addressed mm-hmm. because, um, you know, people who, are, who have sufficient in, amounts in their pension account 
and are only able to receive a thousand dollars a month that's not that is going to help a small amount mm-hmm. um, but the the idea behind pensions at the end of the day is to be for it to be a reasonable um, uh, contribution to you know your your ongoing expenses um, after retirement um, not a tiny fraction it's not supposed to be a tiny fraction of your yeah. income replacement it's supposed to be a much bigger fraction maybe um, you know 50 percent to 60 percent or something like that mm. um, and we're we're a long ways off from that given the the pension system that we have in place right now um, and that's something that has to be recognized and it, it is a difficult it is a challenge it's a difficult issue to deal with particularly when um, you know you have economic challenges and we're coming out of a situation which has had a profound economic impact like um, COVID and the, and, and the associated lockdowns. So these issues have to be addressed. We are addressing um, the minimum wage um, discussions. Um, the minimum wage committee is um, has been um, set up and it, we're, we're expecting to have a report um, by the end of the year or early part of um, next year. But we also have to recognize that um, we have this balance that we're trying to strike um, because if you increase wages, the minimum wage significantly, that in turn helps to increase costs, which contributes to inflation, which is um, a big part of the problem we're having right now with cost of living as well. Um, so we've got to try to get the balance right in respect of that too. Um, unfortunately, the minimum wage has been set at $6 an hour um, um, by the previous government for probably six or seven years now. Um, and you know, it, it needs to be addressed, but we've got to, we've got to be careful how we do that. Um, and perhaps do it in stages so that it minimizes the overall contribution to a problem that we already have now, which is inflation. Um, Sandra, thank you very much. Thank for you very much. I want people to, to make sure that they stay on and they listen to, uh-huh. um, the discussion with, um, Mr. Tibbetts from CUC as well, because uh-huh. it is important, um, you know, for, for us in the government, we understand the challenges that people are facing um, at a time when expenses are increasing significantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the challenges that are being faced around um, the electricity costs, um, and these are directly related to our reliance on fossil fuels. Um, and this is exactly why we are, uh, as a government, we are committed to finding a way to push forward as fast as possible um, mm-hmm. with the conversion to renewable energy. Mm-hmm. That will help to stabilize our energy costs and it will reduce the money that we pay out of the economy um, to, to some foreign country or foreign company um, to pay for fossil fuels. If, we, if we're, we're spending probably somewhere in the region of 200 million plus a year now on fossil fuels, um, if we can... If we can cut that down to 100, to 50, to zero, imagine what we can do with employing that kind of money within the economy, the multiplier effect of that. We could easily uh-huh. be generating another $500 million a year in economic activity, uh, and probably more um, um, by, by going to renewables. So this is, this is one of the reasons I'm, I'm very um, determined that we're gonna push forward with the conversion to renewable energy to help stabilize the cost of energy that people have to pay in this country. All right. Well, thank you very much, Premier. We appreciate it. Have a wonderful day.
Thank you. Thank you to everyone. Have a wonderful day. Um, please take care. Um, God bless. Um, and enjoy our wonderful Cayman Islands. All right. Take care. Thank you so much. Folks, I know that it's it's always like a marathon when the premier comes on. Um, he do, does have some other engagements. We will continue the dialogue and we'll continue to invite um, other members of his government to make regular appearances because I do recognize that a lot of the questions, as he say, he has overall responsibility, but a lot of the, the specific questions are for different ministers, uh, different government agencies and so on. So we continue to encourage them to utilize the resource. Obviously, the people want information. They want to know what's going on, and they're keen to know what changes might be coming down the pipeline. We do have uh, VP, Mr. Sasha Tibbetts, who is on the line. He's been patiently waiting to tell us a little bit um, about what's going on at CUC and what additional program they put in place to try to assist the consumers in this country as much as possible. Sasha, are you there? Sasha, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. How are you doing, Sandy? Very, very good. Um, thank you. I think we got a little bit of a feedback, so you might be listening to us somewhere in the background. Um, so you might want to just turn um, that off for me, maybe. Okay, let me. You might have a tab or something open when you were listening to the program. All right, so quite a few questions this morning, um, Sasha, in relation to CUC. And uh, we heard the premier mention that CUC actually has been taking some steps to, on its own, to work with Offreg um, to sort of cap the, um, to, to cap the fuel cost. Uh, so tell, tell us a little bit about that and exactly what that means and how that works. Hello. Hi. Hi. Oh, there you are. Uh, is the echo gone? No. I think, keep, keep talking. Let me see if I can. I think it might be okay now. Normally it's just like another tab um, opening up, but yes, let's, let's see if I can hear you when you speak. So folks, remember the telephone number 936-BOBO? Again, fingers crossed. We might be getting a toll-free number soon. I'm so excited. Hello. Good morning, Mitzi. Hi. Oh, yeah, there we go. All right. Okay. I think I, I think this is working now. Sorry about that. <laughs> no worries. So I was just saying we had a lot of questions today, obviously, for the premier surrounding cost of living. And CUC's name always comes up when we're talking about cost of living. So give us an idea um, about what CUC has been up to. Well, uh, we're really happy about... Um, about the government's um, fuel cost relief program that they've been doing for the last three months and have made the extension for the additional three months. I mean, that's really been a great help to a lot of our, our customers. Um, mm -hmm. And CUC recognized that, you know, that was only going to a, a subset of, of the, the customers that the government wanted to focus their assistance with. Um, but there were a lot of customers, such as commercial customers, who who were also um, feeling um, the, the challenges of the high fuel costs. Mm -hmm. And so, a couple months back, we made a proposal to to Offreg to allow us to cap the fuel factor price at twenty cents for all customers uh, for the last three months of of twenty twenty two, so October through December and collect those those funds at a, at a later date 
And what that does is it takes this high price spike and perhaps puts the, the collection of those costs at, at a time when, when energy costs are lower. So, for example, in the months of, say, January through May, um, customers' bills are much lower. Um, and perhaps there's more more ability to cover some of those higher costs. So it's it's really a deferral program um, designed to 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 cut the spike uh, of of the the fuel costs. Uh, the the costs for fuel this month in in October is the highest we've seen in a very very long time. I think it was back in 2009 when it was at this level, and mm -hmm. uh, we recognize it's really hard for customers to deal with that. Um, so. We're, we're really happy that we got approval to do this program. We're also mm -hmm. really happy to see that the government continuing their, their relief program, which sits on top of ours. Um, so CUC is bringing the price of fuel down to 20 cents and uh, the government through their grant program uh, is bringing for, for the, the residential customers in that 101 to 2000 kilowatt hours per month usage bracket. Those mm -hmm. those customers that have that amount of usage will, will have their fuel price brought down to 15 cents, which is still very high, but not as high as I mean, it would be normally about 24 cents. So the two programs are, are going to provide a lot of relief to in, in some cases to, to all customers and, 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 in, and in other cases to um, even more relief to a focus group of residential customers. Mm -hmm. So let me just understand exactly how this is going to work, right? So the fuel factor is being capped at 20 cents a kilowatt? For every customer. For every Correct. customer. Yeah, and that's right. the total fuel factor, which includes the, the duty and the energy charge as well. Hmm. So how are you guys able to do that? How, what, where's the, who's gonna absorb the cost? Well, CUC is, um, so I guess, going to be paying for, for that fuel, but we will recoup the cost with no markup um, in 2023 when, when we expect that the price of, of fuel will be less. Hmm. So we're, 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 we're sort of shaving off this peak and then we'll recover it at a later date yeah. in 2023. Okay, innovative. All right. I like it. I mean, it's something for now while times are tight, I think. Um, is, is there any concern? I mean, we started out this program talking about how you give people a little bit of something like this relief during these times, and then they're always going to want it. They always want something for free. Is there any concerns that people are going to be like, oh, well, if CUC did it this time, why can't they just continue to do it forever? Well, to, to, to be honest, you know, I mean, we, uh, contrary to, to what many people may think, you know, pretty much every day at work where we're spending time trying to find ways of lowering costs. Um, mm -hmm. So, so it, you know, to, to some extent that it will continue to happen. It may not be in this form, but mm -hmm. we're always looking for programs to lower costs. Um, I was really excited to hear about the the premier's comments with respect to, to renewable energy you know that really is the solution to the long-term solution to this problem and you know the, the only way we're going to get away from these uh, i guess i can use the word crazy fuel prices is is to not need to buy fuel 
and mm -hmm. uh, the but you know the country still needs its electric energy so we have to find an, an, another way of doing it and fortunately that technology is readily available so mm -hmm. um you know we we really do need to to get going on on doing as much renewable energy as possible all right we do have a caller in the line caller i have a question or comment for cuc yes good morning mrs sandra hi I like to ask CUC, right? Why is it it takes so long to get an audit of your place? Mm -hmm. I, we was we had a problem with our light bill, mm -hmm. and my wife contacted. I think it was the same gentleman there, mm -hmm. right from last week, and he told us you have somebody over here mm -hmm. to give us a audit, and it's almost. A, I know for sure it's a week now. Mm -hmm. It might be over a week, okay? Mm -hmm. And I don't see why and. Our light bills keep on going up. We got solar panels on our house stop, mm -hmm. right? And what, like, the month where she will complain about it when we were all, everybody was all out of the place, mm -hmm. okay? And they told us they were all going to come and go at it, right, to see what's going wrong, mm -hmm. right? But it's it just like a, we're going to come, keep it on quiet. We, we, we'll, we, we'll come, when the next bill come in, you're going to have another question again. No, that, that, that to me is really stupid. Mm -hmm. Okay, if you're going to do an audit, you do an audit as early as possible before the other bill comes in. So you know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. So you can ask the gentleman that and ask him what time he's going to come and do the audit for the Hunter's family. Okay. Which he's promised us from, from la last week. A week. Mm -hmm. Okay? All right. Thank you, my dear. All right. Thank you very much. I I'll be listening. Yes, sir. Thank okay, you. Okay. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right, Sasha, so a question there about why audits are taking so long and the Hunter family specifically is wondering when they can get their audit done. Yeah, so um, there's obviously in, in, in a time like this, we have we have a lot of customers that are requesting this service. Uh, we don't have a lot of staff that, that are um, catered to this. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so it, it just, it really does take time with respect to their specific um, timing. Um, I think I'm just going to have to ask our team to reach out to them. I believe we have their contact info mm -hmm. um, um, with with an update. Um, typically, it, it does take a, a, about a week or two to to get this arranged. It's it's not a next day type of service. Mm -hmm. um, there's a fair bit of planning. I know the team will do before even going out there. They will do some pre work where they'll look at usage patterns and start developing some information information gathering before heading out and so and sometimes that that eats up a little bit of the time before they actually uh, are able to come out to, to site and make an appointment to to meet with the uh, homeowners or business owner but mm -hmm. um th there are also private ways of of getting these things done um they they are unfortunately quite expensive cuc's in in the process of looking into some devices that can sit in in uh customers panels um and do recording of what each each circuit in the home is is mm -hmm. using um so we're, we're piloting a, a couple of devices that can do that now what that does is it it, instead of you just getting a total usage for your house, you can say, well, 33% is on this air conditioner mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and so on. And you can look at the individual devices or at least the individual circuits in the house and, yep. and decide what, you know, where you want to focus your efforts. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, my husband actually installed some of them um, so that we know exactly 
what's using and and outside of our large appliances in this household, what takes the most use is actually my computer, which I was a bit surprised at, but it's on 24 seven and it yeah. does run a lot of stuff. And he was able to say exactly what the percentage of use is. So these devices are available um, folks, just go to Amazon yeah. and you can but get them. And install them I, I, I can say that 95% of the time that mm -hmm. we head out to customers homes, the, 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 the finding is it's somehow related to air conditioning either mm -hmm. it's related to the insulation level of the home causing mm -hmm. the air conditioner to work more or the air conditioner is is not operating properly or because of lack of maintenance or something or the air conditioner is not the correct size or it's not a high efficiency air conditioning unit um, the insulation in the attic makes a huge difference. The type of windows, how well they seal, whether there's sunlight um, beaming straight through the windows or not, mm -hmm. um, all related to air conditioning load. So, you know, whenever we go there, those are the type of things that we're looking for. Um, and, and because there, there really isn't anything in, in a consumer's home that can drive their bill up to the levels of what we're seeing other than the air conditioning unit or perhaps if they i don't know i suppose if somebody were to leave their oven on 24 hours a day but i don't we don't find that happening right mm -hmm. there's not many devices in the home that can use that much electricity other than the air conditioner mm. hmm. Okay. All right. We know that you're a bit um, crunched for time this morning, Sasha, and you're off to meetings. So we do appreciate you um, holding on the line so that at least we could understand a little bit more. So when does this program actually roll out? When will we see? Um, it's it's effective now. Um, so okay. it's, uh, we did only just get um, get everything buttoned up and released it to, to the press yesterday at the same time as the governments. We were working together to make sure that the two programs uh, didn't... Uh, conflict with each other and um, i think mm -hmm. i think that's that's been a successful effort so it's the next bill that comes out at the beginning of november you will see two well some customers will see all so let me start that over <laughs> all customers will see a line item um talking about a cuc fuel cost deferral mm -hmm. and the customers that are in the right usage brackets residential customers of the right usage bracket will also see a line item Showing a credit from the government for for the the to bring their fuel price down to fifteen cents. So some customers will see two credits on their bill, and um, but all customers will see at least one. Okay. And okay. it'll go through for usage until the end of the year, which will be so the last bill that, that the programs which would, would show up on is the the bill that comes out the first week of January. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you explained it because I think when you sent out that release, even myself didn't really look at it because I thought it was the same thing the government uh -huh. had sent out. So, yeah, because it came out yes, like there are two yeah. programs, two programs. Maybe we'll do a little bit more uh, coverage yes. on that as well. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So now, now that I understand it, I'll make sure that our news team gets on uh, putting it up separately because I actually thought it was the exact same thing, to be honest. All right. Very good. So good to know. Um, you know, some people still saying there's more that can be done, but I guess it's it's a step uh, in in the right direction. So appreciate your time this morning, Sasha, and we look forward to hearing from you again soon. Great. And thanks for having me again. Take care. Okay. Thanks very much. So folks, um, you know, we appreciate people taking the time out of their um, busy schedules in the morning, and we're very, very much cognizant and aware 
um, that, you know, the, these individuals are busy. They're managers and they're busy um, running organizations and trying to get things done. So let me see where Chuck is. We need a little bit of overtime this morning, Chuck. Um, if we can get it, let me see here. Uh, morning. Okay. I want you guys to be able to get the news on radio. Kevin puts a lot of production time into that. There is something that we're expecting to break today by way of news that we'll discuss tomorrow, but it's not yet been released. So we can't hit that publish button yet, but y'all stay tuned. It's going to be big news um, for people here in the Cayman Islands of a criminal nature. You just keep, just keep tuning in. So some of the headlines around the world, I saw someone mention, I think that was Damien. He has the reason for inflation in the U.S., but inflation is not just impacting the U.S. It is impacting every single country around the world. We've seen Asian countries pump the brakes on production, uh, exporting their goods overseas so that their own people can have enough wheat and rice and green and all sorts of stuff. So folks, don't limit your thinking to, oh, this is just an American problem. It's just America that's increasing their interest rates. Canada, elsewhere in the world, is getting hit by the exact same issues. The world is one big but yet very small globe. And believe me, the trickle-down effect happens sooner rather than later these days. Some of the headlines this morning, um, U.S. economy returned to growth last quarter despite surging inflation. It bounces back just a little bit. The Fed's uh, soothsayers see signs of an inflation downshift. That was one headline. Another headline, European inflation, debt needlessly high. Um, there's stuff coming out of India about inflation on the agenda, RBI to hold special MPC meeting on inflation. Again, that's the Asian countries. Another person, this is another one coming out of um, India again. How much growth can be sacrificed at the altar of inflation control? So everyone around the world is trying to control inflation. It's not just the United States of America. Uh, here's one out of Euronews, the headline this morning. Why do central banks raise interest rates to curb inflation? Inflation in Singapore will stay high next year, even as the pace of, and then the, the headline says dot, dot, dot. The Straits time, again, Singapore, inflation is going to stay high. Um, UK headline, how broad-based is the increase in UK inflation? Uh, Biden to warn Republicans will boost inflation in Syracuse. So folks, it's not a Cayman problem. It's not a Caribbean problem. It is not an American problem. Australia, talking about the markets. Inflation hits a 32-year high in Australia. This is impacting everyone all over the world. When you make comments like, oh, well, it's just an American problem, and they're the ones who impact us because of their inflation, you don't understand world economics as much as you think which means you need to read more because whether our money is tied to the pound or the dollar or the, the what's the currency in, in India, whatever their currency is, uh, rupees or whatever, right now inflation is impacting everyone. So it wouldn't matter. You'd still be getting hit. Canada, they got a headline this morning about inflation as well. Someone was mentioning, well, St. Kitts can give their uh, country half of the population or a good portion of the population, free electricity. Nothing in this world is free. I'm going to say it again for everybody who's sitting in the back of the classroom. Here's an article dated 
June the 30th out of St. Kitts talking about all of the um, things that the government says are comprehensive measures to mitigate effects of rising costs of living. So everything that they're trying to do in St. Kitts, they're saying a number of external forces continue to drive up the cost of living. The government of St. Kitts and Nevis have implemented a number of measures aimed at mitigating the negative effects on its citizens and residents. So their prime minister and minister of finance, the doctor, the Honorable Timothy Harris, um, said during a press conference at the time that in pursuing a policy of mitigating the cost of living, we're mindful that many families have yet to recover from the effects of COVID-19 and a critical part of our 2022 budget approved by Parliament involved the extension of several elements of life of relief, sorry, to our people. And then he starts talking about what some of that is. Maybe one of the reasons they can afford to pay some of your electricity bill in St. Kitts is they're taxing you out the wazoo. I see a lot of taxes here that this article refers to. Corporate income tax of 33%. Hmm. Yes, sir. There's an unincorporated business tax of 4%. There's duty and taxes and importation of goods. For dry and reefer containers, for 20 and 40 foot dry and reefer containers. Uh, there is some tax on, on bread that they're talking about trying to, you know, put aside for six months or whatever. There's only so many ways that you can make money for governments. And there's only so many ways um, that you can try to curtail the cost. So they say here, the cost of fuel continues to be a challenge, even in St. Kitts. And what has the government done? They've reduced the excise tax on fuel from 225 to 95 cents which is a significant reduction, they say. We gave up tax revenue in order to contain the cost of fuel. So I don't know who's getting free fuel in St. Kitts, but it seems to me that you're certainly paying enough taxes that you could expect certain things. But their government, their prime minister said, we're concerned that too many persons have had their electricity cut off and cabinet determined that we will put an end to this denial of electricity of residential consumers and so we place a hold or moratorium on the payment of electricity arrears. And we have, in fact, waived the fee for the reconnection of electricity. Uh, let me ask you a question. In St. Kitts, who owns the electricity company? Because the way that they're talking about it, it sounds like they actually own the company themselves, which in some jurisdictions they do. So it's a very different situation. It's not where it's a privately owned entity. So um, again, we've got to keep things in perspective. When people throw out something and they say, well, this is how this country is doing it. They're getting it right. I want to know the details of exactly what it is that's happening. As in most situations, it's not on the surface. What it looks like on the surface isn't what it is when you start to scratch and dig a little bit deeper. And I keep telling you guys that the devil is in the details. So it is really, really important to have those details. Yeah? So it doesn't sound like it's free. People are getting it turned off. I'm just saying. What a hot mess. Uh, let's listen to a little snippet here about inflation. I can't remember if I played this one or not, but um, this is about inflation hitting home. Inflation is felt in the reality of rising prices for almost everything Americans buy. And a lot of us have seen price increases that make food and recreational activities almost unaffordable. And Pierre Stacey Bennett-Smith has the story. Home is where the inflation is right now. 
A lot of the biggest price jumps we've seen have been things like rent, heating, food. Grocery prices are up about 13% over last year. Steak, that's killing me. The same ribeye steaks that I was paying $17 for, for two of them, were now 32 Steak lover Steve Brown is an optician in South Carolina. He works at an eyeglass store fitting people with frames. I've been doing it for 27 years. I can fit someone up just by looking at them. You just know what will look good on them? Yeah. The steak prices stung. But the price increase that really got Steve was gas prices, up 18% over last year. Steve has a long commute to work, and his favorite way to unwind is motorcycle rides on the weekend. The back roads, the back roads uh, by the marsh, there's water on both sides of the road. You can look over and see downtown Savannah. You can see the ports. It's beautiful. Total freedom. It's a good way to clear your head. I put music on and all my problems just just go away. What do you listen to? (laughs) I listen to a lot of heavy metal. Really? Like what's one of your favorite songs? Uh, Rain and Blood by Slayer. But earlier this year, Steve noticed something else getting a bit bloody. His gas bill. Filling up the tank of his motorcycle went from costing him around $25 to around $50. So now? I just stay home and watch Netflix. But staying home isn't that cheap these days either. Rent is up more than 7% over last year. Electricity prices are up more than 15%. Natural gas is up more than 30%. Steve Brown says it's not missing out on the rides that's keeping him up at night. It's retirement. He's only 46, but he sees how rough the future might be every day at the eyewear store. I see some of these elderly patients that come in and, you know, they're like, do I pay the electric this month or do I get glasses? And my heart goes out to those people. Inflation analyst Omer Sharif says a lot of people are anxious about the future. He's been tracking inflation numbers for years, but lately he's been getting calls from family, friends, neighbors, they all want to have a conversation about inflation. It's like the last thing that I want to do. Uh, but I, this is what, you know, every, it's kind of on everybody's radar at this point. But Sharif is starting to see signs that prices will be dropping for rent, clothing, healthcare. He thinks this could be the darkness before the dawn. I'm hopeful that we should see a lot of relief coming. And actually, I feel better about the outlook than I have in quite a while. A lot of economists and forecasters are not so optimistic. A new survey shows Americans expect prices to keep rising. Steve Brown says he is just going to keep doing what he's doing, hoping that if he gives up a little bit now, he will still be able to afford the future he wants. He just got engaged. He has a whole plan. I just want to have a nice piece of property on the outskirts of town. Have a garden. You know, have some animals. You know, not, not a huge house, but, you know, a nice size house. Listen to a little Slayer and, every once in a while? Of course. You gotta have that. <laughs> gotta have that. Stacey Vanek Smith, NPR News. Inflation is felt so, in the reality of rising prices um, for almost everything. Um, tough times ahead for all of us. And the questions being asked is, you know, how are you going to prepare for your future? I know that a lot of us are living for today and uh, we're thinking only about today. You've got to start thinking about your future. And as that gentleman said, he's coming back hoping that he can have 
the future that he wants. And he doesn't think that his future is unreasonable. He's saying, oh, just a little, little property on the outskirts of town, a little piece of land. You know, everyone the world over is going to be thinking about some of those things. I know people right now who are like, listen, they came to the Cayman Islands, they worked, made good money, whatever. Now they're going to take that money and leave in their retirement years. Uh, they've got something in the pension plan, but they're not going to be staying here because you can go to Portugal and live a lot cheaper and get, you know, a $300,000 place. They're still going to pay good money for it. But what they can get for $300,000 in Cayman, it's going to cost way more than that. And there'll be things that they will give up. And this is the life and the world that we're living in, folks. It's going to be a little bit of um, a give and take. Uh, this is this is the reality that we are all going to have to live with. Not just people in Cayman Island, but people all over the world. Yeah. And so you got to start thinking now. Uh, do you know, I saw something the other day that I thought was so interesting. I'm going to find it again. I can't believe, I can't remember if it was Washington um, or where it was. But um, I saw something that said that getting married, um, Washington Post might have been, but it said something like getting married adds something like one point something million dollars to you as an individual, like your, your net worth, your value of what you can do as a couple. I'm going to try to find it and use the exact wording, which was more than what you get from actually um, getting a degree. And I thought that that was so interesting, the power of partnership, if you will. Um, Denny, did you hear what I just said? Getting married and no. having a partner and having that dual income is now worth more than you actually having a degree in your life over your lifespan. But of course, um, that, I know that's understandable. Well, I tell you what, actually, hold on, hold on. It, it only mm -hmm. makes sense if you're marrying the right kind of people. The Caymanians, well, <laughs> listen, listen, no, 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 hold on. Listen up, Caymanians. If you're marrying not for good people, I was going to say not for profit, but they're, they're doing it for profit. People who are in arranged <laughs> marriages who are here to suck what you have and to have opportunities to remain in this country so they can get a half decent job that's no longer minimum wage because that's how some people step up in the world and they bring nothing to your financial table or your household and they're out there having all these out of wedlock children like we've seen with some of these prison and police officers. That's not the kind of person that brings any benefit or any meaning to your life. So, you know, our people are not getting the real messages here. We are taking absolutely. on the burden that is just absolutely ridiculous and makes zero sense. Instead of learning to think, people are using us and we get nothing out of it. Well, what a hot in, in, in the video that you just played, the guy said, or to worried about his retirement. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Well, coupled with what you just talked about with yeah. having a partner and the value that that brings to um, the family, oh. there is something that I, like when I speak to people, and sometimes when I see that they don't understand certain things, yeah. one of the things I say to them is, if, if I hired you to 
30 days. And you could choose how much money you would be paid for that 30 days. Uh -huh. Would you choose $500,000 or would you choose one single penny each day doubled every day for 30 days? Uh -huh. and, and most times people choose the 500000 Yeah. And unfortunately, that's because they don't appreciate the power of compounding. Mm -hmm. And so the guy is saying that he's a professional and that he's 46 and he's worried about his retirement. Let me tell you the mistake that a lot of people are making nowadays. Mm -hmm. And if there's one thing in your life that you can do differently, mm -hmm. make, make sure that you seriously consider this as being one of them. This is outside of getting a good education, of course. Uh -huh. But you need to start investing and saving money as early as possible. Uh -huh. In fact, instead of having really expensive birthday parties for your kids, uh -huh. it would be better to put $5,000 in an investment account for your child and leave it there until that child is 65. Mm -hmm. The value of that $5,000 compounded for 65 years would blow your mind. Mm -hmm. But you see, the problem is, is if you wait until you're 25, 30, or even 40 before you take saving and investing seriously, what you have done is you have significantly reduced the, the beneficial effect of compounding in your investment strategy. And it's that component that makes the difference. The compounding is what you missed out on if you wait until you're 25 and 30 and you finish partying. Now you're going to take life seriously? You've already made one of the most serious mistakes in your life that you could ever imagine. Uh -huh. Here's what the study said. It said being in a union means a $1.3 million increase in lifetime earnings. Larger than the average gain from getting a college degree. Wow. Yeah. But again, that's a union with someone who's actually bringing something to the table, not someone who's sucking you dry. That's right. And so if you come, if you put with your statement you just made there, together with what I said, which is starting late in life. So imagine you get together with someone messes up your life for 10 or 15 years and now you're 40 you're in a hole mm -hmm. and you're trying to recover before you get to an age when you should be retiring mm -hmm. you're that like that's that's like a disaster it's like <laughs> that is so bad it, it's hard to describe mm -hmm. financially speaking it means that you will find yourself in old age and you will not have what you need because here's what's going to happen when you get older. Mm -hmm. The probability is going to be 
that you're going to have higher medical expenses uh -huh. right. because things break when you get older. Yeah. And, and even if you think, oh, I have $10 million, I'm okay. You only need one serious encounter with cancer yeah. and you can be my death. Absolutely. So take it seriously and start early in life. Look at your children that you have right now, five and ten, mm -hmm. and you say to yourself, what could I do to have an investment for them, set aside for them? that that would have a massive impact. This idea of using insurance as a way to withdraw money for investors, insurance is such a thing. You need to treat investment as investment and insurance as insurance. You need to do Right? And, 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 but do it early so that you can benefit from the from compounding. That would be my advice. All right. Financier, Denny Warren Jr., thank you very much. Appreciate it. Um, folks, you know, there are uh, money suggestions um, that make sense. There are things that we need to be uh, paying attention to, and we all need to be learning how to handle uh, money a little bit better. Um, you know, for some reason, we think that we need to be saving large amounts of money, but as Denny says, it's this concept of compounding that a lot of people really don't get. And uh, if you don't understand that, then you know, when somebody tells you to save $5, put away $10, put away 20% of what it is that you make, you know, it just becomes, um, it's going to become more and more difficult the older that you get. And the formula that we have used in this particular jurisdiction, which has included living a life beyond your means. We're all trying to keep up with the Joneses to make a certain impression. Impression doesn't pay the bills. Impression certainly isn't going to make you comfortable uh, in your retirement years. But how many of you are not out there um, struggling and trying to do certain things just to, for the optics to look a certain way for, you know, living in such a small community? And when, when, when you know, cancer hits and you get a million dollar plus cancer bill or, you know, the bank is knocking at your door, to um, reclaim that house because you're unable to pay the mortgage, the same people you have been dying to impress are nowhere to be found because they're certainly not going to be helping you get out of the hole. And these are the difficulties and these are some of the tough conversations, folks, that we need to be ha having. Um, Ms. Maria says nothing is free in this country. Nothing is free anywhere in the world. Nobody gives you anything for free. And if they're telling you that they're giving you something to free, they are lying to you because nothing is free. You're paying for it either directly or indirectly in some way, shape, or form. And that is just what it is. There's a video I wanted to share with you guys. Let me see if I can just screw this up. Um, talk about some financial advice this morning. Um, this one I saw on one of the Instagram, I think it's Instagram or Facebook videos. Um, I subscribed to a few of them give you like money advice and this one i thought was really really good here's what uh, this expert has to say um about investing in your future and one of the ways in which you can do it 
that really has returns, immediate returns, and makes sense. In 16 years, your daughter will not be able to buy a house. It will not be affordable for her to buy a house unless you help her. I would argue that it is a better business decision. It is a better financial decision for you to buy a house for her. It's an investment property. It's a rental property. All of the money that comes from that goes into an account, and that is her college, number one. And number two, that house is being paid for by somebody else. So then when she is 22 years old, graduated from college, you can say, here's sweet here's the home that you will never ever have been able to afford if I had not bought it for you 16 years ago. And I'm telling you right now, that is the best financial decision. Rather than going to 529, whatever that thing is, college fund, that is oh, complete yeah. and total bull. I agree with that. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, going ahead and buying a house as an investment, that is the best thing that you can do for your children. And actually. I'm not selling anything I own because... No, I wish I'd kept everything yeah. I ever bought. I hear that. You hear that good advice? Not just in Cayman are we are, are children not going to be able to afford a home all over the world. And the advice now is that you as a parent, you're in a in a better financial situation than your children. You make that investment for them, for their future. Think about the next generation, not just about yourself. Purchase land and property for your children. We talked about this already because when you get five and six children, you understand how it's five and six hundred times more difficult to be able to secure a piece of the pie for that many children. These are the real world difficulties. Y'all need to introduce yourself to something called uh, effective birth control. That's the, that's, the hard, that's the cold hard truth. You can't do it if you're having a bag of children. Because you're too busy living paycheck to paycheck and still not able to make ends meet or save or invest or do anything. Our forefathers had, a lot of them, did not have the foresight and wisdom to know the importance of land. They gave away land in South Town for little or nothing. Talk about, oh, that's swamp land. Now look at it. How many of you would like to be able to turn back the hands of time to grab that swamp land back for future generations. Hear what they said? Don't sell anything. Some of y'all right now is like, oh, the market is good. I'm going to sell my house. You're going to sell it and do what? Go buy something else at a higher price with less square footage and less land? Find a way to retain your family wealth, folks, by passing on what you own to your children. And your children have to be prepared to step up to the plate and when they are of a particular age to understand that you've made sacrifices for them and they will have to make sacrifices for the family as well. But you see, as Caymanians, we live in a society that's all about me, 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 even in family. Your children don't want to help you when they get old. They're like, no, I'm going to be busy, mama. You better figure out a plan of your own. They don't want you moving back in with them so you can have a nice little nucleus home where you now as the parent can have a close relationship with your children. You can all live in a communal way. They're like, nope, you go and do your own business. It's my turn now. The way in which we think is pretty detrimental if you want to truth. So Maria, I don't know anything about the government of St. Kitts. I'm just telling you what I was reading and I shared the link about all the different types of taxes and so on. So 
I don't know anything about the taxation there, but I certainly read that there's quite a number of different taxes that are levied against the people. And people are having their electricity turned off. They were getting it for free. How could they be getting it turned off? I'm not sure that I understand the point of them getting it for free. And that's in your local state's uh, information service. That's the, I'm assuming, is that the government publication? I don't even know. So here's the link. You'll read it for yourself. Like I said, I don't live there. I'm not an expert there, so I can't tell you. I can only read what I see in the news. And a lot of the same things that we have done here, so they have VAT taxes and import taxes as well. Um, VAT tax, that's a direct taxation. That's not indirect tax. That's a tax on your goods that you see on your bill as you purchase your goods. So they've done what this government has done. Listen, no government has a monopoly and the solutions that are going to save your life. They're all trying to do the exact same thing. Nothing is an original idea when it comes to turning the economy around. So they likewise have done a waiver of payment in the consumption of water for individuals who've been laid off. So y'all have to pay for water? Same thing, we're paying for water. Consumption um, payments of water by farmers. The removal of the VAT and import duty for selected hygiene items. We've done that as well. Import duty and customs duty charge and selected items including vegetables, fruits, fruit juices, cough, medicine we've done it on sanitary products and um, baby products it's the same thing over and over again there are only so many ways that your government can try to alleviate the spiraling cost of living but yet what did their dr harris still say the elements of relief are consistent with our efforts to protect our people from the cost of living caused by external forces to us, like the Russia and Ukraine war, which has triggered a shortage of energy, agricultural inputs, food, et cetera, et cetera, and subsequent high prices. That's what his government is saying that they have done. You cannot control external forces. You know what he says? A number of critical programs such as the Poverty Alleviation Program, SAFE, SELF, the Income Support, the Disability Support, the Fuel Subsidy Program, will all continue. So they are heavily subsidizing as much as they can. And what, what is the economic position of Thinkus? I'm really not, uh, I must admit, I don't know much about them, to be honest. But if, they're, if their financial situation is fantastic and they're getting free electricity and all these other stuff, then I mean, I must say good for them. But it seems like the government is, is picking up the tab significantly. And if you think that that is free, I'm going to challenge you to wait the next couple of years and you'll see how you're going to pay for it. I might think it's free now. But believe me, there's a whole report here on um, the justification and pre-feasibility study of an electrical interconnection for thinking Nothing is free. You might be getting it on credit and your governor's gonna make you pay later or they're ladening future generations with debt that they don't wanna think about. We've seen governments here do that. 
Oh, I'm going to build a school no matter what for billions, not billions, let me not exaggerate, millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. The previous premier said an act of God, only God can stop him from building that school. That was not even the most functional school for our children. And we've not seen the return and our investment in terms of our children actually learning the way in which they should. But he said only God could stop him. They burden us, the people, with this future debt because we have to pay for it. Our children and children and their children and the children of those children have to pay for it. Same thing with the cruise port. So the, all I'm saying is be very, very cautious when someone is telling you that you are getting something for free now because you have to understand you'll be paying for it later. And the price that you're going to pay for it might not be something that you really want. Now, look at what else think is doing. Why the rich, here's an, here's an article about Africa logistics. Why the rich are flocking to St. Kitts. They'll have visa-free travel to 150 destinations, including Hong Kong, Russia, et cetera. So they allow that. They allow those people to come into their country. Give them five, 10 years when their population begins to grow like Cayman, and then they're going to be complaining, oh, no, we don't want any more foreigners. We got too many people here now. Oh, my God, it's enough. You've given it away. There's always a price to pay. They have a citizenship by investment program. None of these things are new. We've all done there. In other words, you have so much money, you can come here just because you're rich and you got money. How many of us have not, how many countries around the world have not done that? Dual citizenship or come, pay for citizenship. And then you see the impact of that. Here where they have a non-refundable contribution of $150,000 US to the Sustainable Growth Fund as, as a single payment. An additional $25,000 applies for a spouse, $20,000 for each sibling, and $10,000 for each qualifying dependent. I no money. You're giving it away. Thank kids for $150,000. I can go to your country and you're just going to give me citizenship by investment. We have made that mistake. That is no money. You better know your true value. Because the cost on your infrastructure, the impact of population growth, roads, hospital systems, et cetera, et cetera. Once your population starts to grow, you're going to feel it. Have we not had those lessons that we could be passing on to some of these smaller islands? Well, four weeks ago, they just had a luxury hotel just open up there. And here y'all in Cayman trying to cut down development and luxury hotel. Oh, there are other jurisdictions. They're saying, come on, we'll take your money. Cayman Islands don't want it. Cayman Islands doesn't want the development. We will gladly take it. It's all about competition. And it's also all about balance. You can't have overdevelopment, but you need some development. Right? You can't have 50-story high-rise, but maybe the compromise is in particular zoned areas, you go up a certain amount. Now, the deputy premier has thrown out this idea about high-rises. And I don't think that he, unfortunately, has had the conversation that needed to take place beforehand 
to really explain to the people what this is all about and why we would want to even be thinking along these lines and all of the other concerns that you have, how will those conversations, or how will those concerns, my apologies, um, be addressed and be alleviated? When you operate with sound bites, and you just go, oh, yeah, we're gonna start doing 30, 30 story buildings. And everybody's like, oh my God, no, 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 no. You've not prepared the people to even entertain the discussion yet. They're not ready. That's why a little bit of what we do on this program is try to have smaller conversations. Like, okay, this is, you know, something that's coming down the pipeline. Start thinking along these lines because you've got to reinvigorate the way that you think. You've got to be prepared to change your methodology, methodology of thinking because it doesn't work. And we know it doesn't work because we can look at places around the world. So the same way places can learn from our choices and decisions and sometimes mistakes, we likewise can learn from others as well. What has worked? What hasn't worked? Right? The wheel is not new. It's been around a really, really long time. And I feel like at the end of the day, uh, we can all have these life lessons of how to operate and run businesses or households or children and even countries because somebody else has gone before us and somebody has done it. Either they have failed or they have been successful with it. And even in the failures, there are lessons to be learned. That's all I'm saying. The successes, yes, everybody's trying to emulate the other person. When I went to the tourism um, conference that they had the other day here in Cayman, you know, the one where Mickey was misbehaving, one of the most interesting things to me was how, you know, all these people have like a tourism plan. They all sounded very much the same. I didn't hear anything unique and shocking and different. And everybody is trying to get some of the tourism pie. And as a region, when you're a visitor, after a while, all islands start to look the same. All have beautiful beaches. What makes Cayman different from some of these other countries? Well, there's some, there are some, some elements of uniqueness to it. Maria says, have I ever visited other Caribbean islands? Yes, I have. And most of the ones that I've visited, I've not been impressed with at all. They have higher crime than Cayman, a lot of times less population. The quality of living is, I'm like, yeah, okay. What they call five star in some countries, I'm just like, Jesus, I would hate to see what you call one star. And that's one of the reasons, by the way, Maria, everybody should travel and get to see the world so they can have an idea by comparison how we are living. Because we complain about a lot of things and Lord knows we would not be surviving in any other jurisdiction. When we talk about, oh, you know, my gosh, I'm paying this, well, it's all relative, believe me. Very much so. Do I want to turn on the news every single night in some other Caribbean island and see people getting gunned down and, and shot down every single night? And that, that's because their, their cost of living might be a little bit less. But when you look at the exchange rate for what their currency is valued, it's like, not really. 
and I must have burglar bars on my windows in order to live. That's the kind of lifestyle that I'm looking forward to. No, not really. I guess we all have different standards and we all are attracted to different things. But for me, safety is one of the biggest things. Like I'll move halfway around the world just to be in a safe, comfortable environment. It doesn't have to be the most posh in the world. But if you can feel safe and give me internet, I'm good to go. Damien says Sir Vassal Johnson was a genius. Well, I wonder what his solutions would be in 2022. Because you have to understand that what worked, you know, 45, 50 years ago may not work in this day and age. Things have changed a lot. Even the world markets have changed. There's some questioning right now about whether or not what the feds are doing is going to really help with inflation. Because, you know, they're like, things are really different. They're trying to control people spending by increasing the interest rate. And people are still spending, by the way. It hasn't done much yet. And they're going to continue to increase the interest rate, but it's like, wow. Is it really going to help? Here's another headline coming out of Global News. The UK reaches unaffordable cost of living amid worsening economic crises. Uh, Fox Business News is a disaster 2008 type economic scenario coming. Y'all seem to not remember what happened in 2008 or beyond. Here's what Yahoo Finance headline is this morning. The Fed statistics are reflecting an economy that no longer exists. This is according to strategists. So the experts and the strategists are trying to figure this out. You know, we as the common person on the street barely understand what's going on with the economy. But still, there are little things that we can do within our own little lives and our own little bubble to try to save and prepare for tougher times ahead. When times are good, don't spend all your money and don't waste your money. You got to be smarter. And there are things that you can do to control the quality of life that you will have in the future. And you have got to start thinking logically about what those things are. So I know it sounds harsh when I say to you, you know, contemplate and and reflect on and think about um, what your life plan is, even when you're in your 20s and you shouldn't be having no bag of children. That sounds really harsh, but it is what it is. That harsh reality is what is going to prepare you to be in a better position later on in life and not only prepare you, but also your children. And that is just what it is. Nobody wants to tell you that because they don't want to insult you. They don't want to talk about, you know, maybe you shouldn't have five or six children. What are you doing with five or six children? You're like, well, I had a husband. Okay. And you still shouldn't have five or six children. Because now the husband's not working, you're not working, and you see how difficult it is, even when you were working, trying to make ends meet. What, you know, what is it that you guys even want for your lives? I mean, I don't know. How many of y'all are happy living off of government subsidy and you think that that's, that's the life to esteem to? where you work for nothing and you never own anything of your own because you have this idea and you've grown up around people who have this idea 
but government is always going to be there to bail you out and government is always going to, you know, pay the bill. I didn't grow up like that. So I don't think that way. Like I said, my aunt always said to me from day one, nothing in life is free. And I've always understood that. Anyway, folks, let's go to our headlines um, from Kevin Watler this morning. Thanks to Kevin for always updating this. Breaking news this morning, um, there has been some additional arrests by the anti-corruption unit. We try to get the inside scoop on this. But two more people have been arrested. Uh, we have a, uh, let me see now, a male aged 47 from Baden Town and a male aged 22 from Savannah. They're arrested on suspicion of the following offenses, fraud on the government, transferring criminal property, and uttering a false document. Both persons were released on bail while increase continued. The anti-corruption unit folks, um, super busy, working overtime. We don't know who these individuals are yet, but we know it doesn't take long for CMR to find out. And uh, if we find out, we will certainly bring you the details as uh, best we can. It's a hot mess of a situation, y'all. Uh, one thing I know for sure, if we don't control our criminality and um, you know keep our people out of jail, stop defrauding the government and others, we're not going to have much hope of anything else working in this country. That's that Syria, an area of serious concern. Anyway, that's a whole other show, y'all. Tomorrow's Friday. Y'all make sure you tune in. We're going to have lots to cover, including I want to talk a little bit about the situation in Jamaica with these children acting hysterically. I don't even know if I understand what the heck is going on there, but let's talk about it tomorrow. Y'all have a beautiful day. Hello, I'm Kevin Watler, and this is your CMR Daily Buzz. The Cayman Islands government announces a three-month extension of the Electricity Assistance Program until December 2022. The program is designed to help residents manage during this period of unusually high fuel costs. In continuing the initial Electricity Assistance Relief Program, which ran for July, August, and September 2022, government will contribute up to $0.05 cents per kilowatt hour for eligible residential customers. Eligible residential customers are those with monthly energy consumption between 101 and 2,000 kilowatts per hour. For a household in Grand Cayman consuming 1,800 kilowatts per hour per month, this will equate to $90 in savings off their electricity bill. At 24 cents per kilowatt hour, CUC's October fuel cost estimate is double what it was in January of this year. This means that even though consumption should be going down, because it is cooler, bills may remain relatively high for most households. The extended program will continue to provide assistance to over 80% of the residential customers of CUC and Cayman Rack Power and Light over the next three months. As a government, we understand how hard these times are for families, senior citizens, and the young adults. And we will not make excuses or say that nothing can be done. That is why we've been working diligently since May last year to put in place more than a dozen initiatives to lower direct costs 
and help people protect their income as we brace ourselves to get through the economic challenges that will continue to face us for the foreseeable future. Yes, things are tough and people are feeling financial stress. But if we each do our part and we work together, we can get through these tough times. To learn more about how government is containing costs for individuals and families across the Cayman Islands, visit gov.ky slash cost dash of dash living. A man has filed a lawsuit against attorney Anthony Akiyumi after he allegedly borrowed $80,000 from him but neglected to pay back the money. After failed attempts to collect the money, the lender James Akiyumi is seeking repayment of the $80,000 and interest at a rate of 2 and 3 eighths percent until it's repaid in full. The Customs and Border Control's public auction will take place on Saturday, October 29th. Various categories of undeclared and seized goods will be auctioned from 1 to 5 in the afternoon in the parking lot of the Customs and Border Control headquarters, which is located at 42 Owen Roberts Drive in Georgetown. Items for auction include electronics, clothing and shoes, office and school supplies, automotive parts and accessories and tools, cosmetic, beauty and fashion accessories, home health and fitness items. The Georgetown Revitalization Initiative's Central Business District Enhancement Phase 1 project nears completion as Seafarers Way is readied for final enhancement work. As part of the Ministry of Infrastructure's long-term initiative to revitalize Central Georgetown, the project has focused on improving accessibility and walkability in the downtown area, including rezoning a section of Cardinal Avenue into a pedestrian-only street. The Ministry of Youth, Sports, Culture and Heritage invites males ages 18 to 25 years old to apply to become the Cayman Islands CARICOM Youth Ambassador 2022 to 2024. The new deadline for applications is midnight Thursday, November 3rd. Only persons living year-round in the Cayman Islands can apply. Interested young persons are encouraged to apply online by visiting the Ministry of Youth, Sports, Culture and Heritage website. Now for your CMR weather update, it's brought to you by WG Charters. Sunrise at 624, generally sunny skies are expected with the temperatures at 86 degrees Fahrenheit and humidity at 61% like the forecast calls for. It will feel around 90 degrees Fahrenheit. Winds northeast at 10 to 15 miles per hour and the sun sets at 554. At nighttime, the temperature falls to the high 70s. Looking forward, hot days, warm nights with the possibility of brief showers. CMR weather updates are brought to you by WG Charters. They offer private boat trips for a great price, so we encourage you to support them. Now for some regional and international news. Students at Oberlin High School in St. Andrew, Jamaica were dismissed early on Wednesday following an incident in which students fell to the ground screaming after a religious exercise. Here's a video highlighting the ordeal. According to reports, it began after a teacher was preaching or praying and began speaking in tongues. Some are calling it a demonic attack. 
Several Jamaican immigration officers at the Passport Immigration and Citizenship Agency called in sick and chose not to report for duty amid issues with the handling of the interdiction process, special allowance, and alleged mistreatment. There have been delays at the Sangaster International Airport as immigration officers have joined their Kingston colleagues who started the industrial action. Some divisions affected include shipping, deportation, border management, and extension of stay. Clorox has recalled eight pine salt multi-surface cleaning products, fearing they may cause harmful bacteria that could cause people with compromised immune systems to become ill. The recall covers 37 million containers of the product, all made in the same plant, Forest Park, Georgia. A list of the affected types can be found on the Cayman Mall Road website. The Guyana government announced that it is recalling its High Commissioner in India, even as Georgetown had earlier indicated that allegations of sexual abusive words leveled against the diplomat had not been substantiated. Guyana's president said after discussions with him, it was decided that the High Commissioner will return home. Detectives with the Broward Sheriff's Office Threat Management Unit arrested a Lauderhill man for charges related to false report of firearms at Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport. According to investigators, around 12.30 Tuesday morning, 25-year-old Detron Devon Roscoe reported that there was going to be a big gunfight shootout at the airport and that there's going to be a lot of gunfire. Call everybody. Roscoe was located at Terminal 4 and was taken into custody. The threat was determined to be unfounded. That's it for now on the Daily Buzz. Thank you for joining me. Please stay safe and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Cold Hard Truth on Bobo 89.1 FM. Cayman's number one talk show is live weekdays from 7.30 a.m. Never miss an episode again. Watch anytime on CMR's Facebook and YouTube channels for the latest show episodes. Don't forget to follow us online on our social media channels. And visit CaymanMarlRoad.com for all the latest news and community happenings. 